Morning, four minutes past four. Thank you, Christo. He's a funny little soul, isn't he? he really is, honestly. A little funny person. It's the kind of thing you'd have dangling inside your car window on a piece of elastic. You know, and you'd look at it as you went past and go, what the heck is that? And, and you'd go, that's a Christo. That's a Christo. Mind you, we will, we will achieve cult status with him before too long. Mark my words. <laughs> Bless him. Anyway, oh, Friday. Oh, thank goodness it's Friday. Thank goodness it's Friday. I've had pains and aches and everything else this week. And, um, what did I do yesterday? I, don't know what I, I, I meant to go out and get a haircut yesterday. I've got to get a haircut for the weekend. I don't know why. I've, I've got to get that sorted out today, so I should go and sort out the haircut today. And then I had this strange chat the other day. You know, um, because I live in Twickenham. Surprise, surprise. Paul Cooper, the fruit and veg man. Now, like most fruit and veg places, wait for this. This is hilarious. He's, he's, he's in constant battle with, with the council. You know, they're, they're, they're just, you know, sometimes members of the council have got absolutely nothing else to do apart from annoy the heck out of people. So yesterday, I'm standing chatting to Paul about, you know, the fact that it's half term and all the kids seem to have gone away and all the rest of it. And, um, and one, of, one of the council officials comes up and he goes, uh, uh, morning, Paul. And Paul go, we don't even talk about this bloke a short while before. He's one of these people who's sort of, he's got a downer on everything. He's a little bit of a job's worth, you know, nick, 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 a bit like that. And he gives him a piece of paper. And it's a piece of paper. (laughs) And Paul said, you know, I'm dealing with with the local council. He said, now who who am I dealing with? The Olympic Committee. Wait for this one. This one, it would just blow your socks off. So, because, as part of the Olympics, we have a cycle ride through, through Twickenham, on the Saturday and the Sunday, OK, it comes through through Twickenham, the, uh, the Olympic cyclist, which is lovely. If you are somebody who trades on the pavement, you've got to apply to the Olympic Committee for a trading licence. He's a fruit and veg shop. He's a fruit and veg shop. And so because he has stuff on the pavement, he has to apply to them for a licence. I said, you know, what the hell are this Olympic Committee... What are they interfering with local council stuff for? This is local council things. And the reason is they're actually going to put up barriers so that the uh, Olympic cyclists can come through like we care. Like we care in Twickenham. We're not remotely bothered about a few cyclists whizzing past for it. They're not going to stop and wave. They're just going to keep going through. And for this, he needs a street trader's licence because he's on the pavement. And yet, there's another sort of fruit and veg shop. It's one of these pound, pound for a bucket kind of thing, a little bit tacky, around the corner. And because the cycle race doesn't go past them, they don't have to bother with it. It's, you know, you, you, you kind of think... I mean, I said, do you have to pay for this licence? He said, I don't know. I've got to send an email and find... I'm sure if you write to him and you go, we're a fruit and veg shop, we've been here for more than 30 years. You know, it's not, we're not so much trading on the pavement. What's it got to do with you anyway? Mind your own blooming business, Olympic stuck-up committee. What's it got to do with you? Go away. Leave us alone. He's only selling fruit and veg, for God's sake. But they just make it difficult for you, don't they? They sort of... Little jobsworth figures, they stand at little bits of paper and... Oh, drives you mad. Drives you mad. So uh, now you know if, uh, if, if you're one of these traders and you've got the Olympic cycle race going through there, you'll have to apply for a licence. I'm hoping it's free. I'd hate to think the Olympic Committee were cheating local traders and making money off them because they've been trading on the pavements for ages and ages and all of a sudden, you know, they, they have to pay because of some blooming cycle ride, which we didn't even ask for. We haven't even asked for the cycle Nobody questioned us. Excuse me, would you like the cycle ride? No, we don't want it. Last time it came through, 20 people stood and watched it. What's the point? What's the point? It's people going very fast on cycles. And you know, we don't have a particularly high opinion of cyclists on this programme. You know, the jumping, the lights, the go fast to headgear, the stripes, all the rest of it, the lycra, the little belt, the little beep, 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 get out the way. 
I watched a bloke the other day. I watched them all the time out here. You could put a camera on this zebra crossing out here. They never stop. They never stop for the traffic lights. They never stop for anything. They just keep going. Ignorant peasants, honestly. They really are. I hate so- Cyclists who, who obey the law, I'm fine with. Absolutely fine with. Cyclists who don't obey the law with, I like to have a little, a little go. You know, and we enjoy a little go with them, because they're always, they're very funny little people, aren't they? Sort of funny little people. Uh, in the papers this morning, they've got uh, a, another thing that's one of the cooking programmes on the... You know, on the cooking programmes, if something goes wrong, then they're allowed to remake it again. And, and they've got some stupid story on the mirror today about MasterChef with that ghastly Greg Wallace. Oh, he's creepy. Something creepy about Greg Wallace. I don't know. I don't like him or John Turow. John Turow's marginally better. Greg Wallace is just creepy. Something about him I don't like. But they've got a story. It's a bit of a non-event, really. It's, um, it's about a souffle. And, um... They, the, the people were seen tucking into a perfect example of the tricky dish. But in scenes shown earlier, the pair were presented with a sad-looking sunken souffle by Tom Reynolds who looked as deflated as his creation. Aussie foodie John told viewers, today he's really got to deliver good quality food free of mistakes. And what they were allowed to do is they were allowed to remake it and re-represent it. I mean, most of these food programmes are an utter con. Even that one that uh, Ainsley Harriet uh, used to present was a dreadful con. They'd go, and he'd go leering over all, ready, steady, cook. Because they'd go, and so what, what's in your bag today? And they'd go, right, we, we've got um, an onion and a tin of tomatoes, a mango, and some crayfish. And you go, that's a luxury food bag. And you think, probably is where you come from, pal. And uh, and then the next thing is, you think, that's what they're ac- actually creating. No, no, no. They then go to the fridge and get out cheese and milk and cream and every every herb under the sun. So they've lied. And then at the end of the programme, they, they used to have somebody sitting in the audience. They'd go, what have you brought? We're from Meadow Down Farm. And we met, and you think, oh, it's a free advert on the BBC again. I used to love the free adverts on the BBC, especially on Ready, Steady, Cook. It was almost as naive and as stupid as Blue Peter, who used to, when, when they were making models in the early days of when it was aimed at three-year-olds, you know, they used to go, right, we're actually going to make models today. And they would, they would have a squeezy bottle, a fairy liquid, but they would have to cover up the word fairy because it was advertising. So if it was a cornflakes packet, they would cover up. I mean, the fact you could see the chicken on it, you know, it was a fair indication. It weren't no Colonel Sanders. It was a it was a cornflakes packet, but because the the people who watched Blue Peter were very influenced, they used to have to cover it up so so they didn't know. It's like they they never ever called it copy decks. They used to call it rubber adhesive. They never called it fablon. It was you know they they had other names for it. Barmy mad they were at Blue Peter, and then of course they've got some crackpot girl Helen Skelton who's decided to waste everybody's time and go to the Antarctic. Sadly, she came back which was always bad news as far as I was concerned. Barney Rubble, or Barney, whatever his name is, sort of decided to desert the programme and go off to earn loads of money in pantomime. No loyalty for Blue Peter, but the good news is, if you live in Manchester, so I know there's a few listeners this morning, uh, they're opening up the Blue Peter Garden to you. That is going to be really exciting. They're going to build a new ple- uh, Blue Peter Garden, and, uh, and you're going to be allowed to go round it, so give that about five minutes before it's vandalised. They're going to have, apparently, a, a statue of Petra in the middle and that, that kind of stuff. But unfortunately... The uh, the current crop of presenters on Blue Peter don't cut the mustard with me. They seem to have lost their way presenting. They also they, they, they seem to be doing an adult programme. It's not for little people. The whole reason that Blue Peter used to have the pets was because most kids in this country didn't have pets, so they could look on the Blue Peter pets, the tortoises and the cats and everything else, as their own. Now it's just a bit naff, I'm afraid. You've got some fat, overweight Barney. You've got Helen Skell. They're both as barking mad as each other. They're probably quite sweet. But children's television has gone right down the swanee.
It's not half as good as it was before. Um, you know, they're, they're sort of, oh dear, well, that's a sad story, isn't it? Lauren Goodyear. Oh dear. Somebody firebombed her shop. Well, they didn't really. It's a gross exaggeration. There's minimal damage. Apparently, Lauren opened a, a makeup bar. I would have thought, actually, that's the last thing she'd be opening. I thought a pie shop, actually, darling, would be more in keeping with you. And, um, it's, she says, I didn't realise there were so many nasty and bitter people out there. Well, you're one of them, love. Have you seen yourself on the programme? I mean, you are the nastiest person. I've never known anybody so vicious and vile as you on the programme. You're not popular at all. You're hated. Nasty piece of work. So why you'd be surprised? And also, to be honest with you, how many more blooming nail bars do we need? We don't want any more nail bars, love. Do something interesting. Open a coffee shop. Open a little cake shop. Do something intelligent. You know, I mean, I look at you and I think, you don't want to walk out of your shop looking like that. You know, open something else. And the answer, you know why they open those? It's cheap cheap. You can go out, you can equip a shop with some mirrors, and you can put some frilly stuff in there, and you go out and buy all this cheap makeup. It's never really top-of-the-range stuff. You've never heard of any of the makes of, uh, of sort of nail varnish or eyeshadows or anything else. It's all the cheap stuff. You know, you're not going in there to, to be used, uh, you know, having Estee Lauder used on you or something like that. And so you end up looking like little Miss Fishwife, which is Miss Minger, I'm afraid, down in Essex. But it's in Buckhurst Hill, which is posh. I bet they're delighted to see the back of it. <laughs> if you live in Buckhurst Hill, do let me know. Nail bar. That's good for the area, isn't it? It's very good. Anyway, uh, they, they had to board up just one of the windows. And uh, it's uh, a- apparently the latest attack has left many fearing the show is cursed. No, it, I don't, no, it's got nothing to do with being cursed or anything like that. It, it has to do with a lot of no-talented half-wits appearing on the television thinking there's something else. Yesterday, Amy Childs, bless her, dim as a plank, turns up at an awards ceremony and she's wearing an identical dress to uh, Trisha Penrose from Heartbeat. And believe it or not, Amy Childs' management asked Trisha Penrose to change her dress because Amy Childs was wearing it. Luckily for us, Trisha Penrose went up your... And I'm not changing it, she said. I've been in the business a long time. This old bag's been here five minutes. So Amy Childs had to slink off with her bad hair between her legs and um, and change her dress again. Didn't make any difference. It was just a bit tacky, the whole thing. Poor old Amy Childs. That's receding faster than uh, poor old Mark Wright's uh, hair at the moment. Uh, the travellers have started um, amassing, I'm afraid. They're taken to the streets. They've said that the gypsy ads for the big, fat, gypsy wedding thing, are racist. So they've taken to the streets. Well, that's good. At least you know where they are now, I suppose. And they're out there. And one of the girls is very upset. Irish traveller Christine Crawley from Lower Clapton said the posters made her feel sick. Really, do A bit of a gross exaggeration. Her daughter had been called a prostitute because of how the show portrayed her community. This, this is the same show that's running into series two or three now, is it, dear? And you've only just got round to this bit. So they've got a picture of... Um, uh, somebody here, bigger, blingier, blacker, and bigger, fatter, gypsier, and bigger, fatter, gypsier. They've got a picture of Paddy Doherty, a rather vile man. In fact, actually, most of the people on it are pretty vile. It's a bit like The Only Way is Essex. We like watching because you don't like it. You have to watch it because you sit there with your jaw on the floor thinking, these people really exist. They really are that awful. Answer? Yes, they are. And that's why The Only Way is Essex works very well. Whereas the Chelsea programme never quite got the audience. Never quite got the audience because it didn't really sort of have that edge to it. They're very sweet. Very sweet, but uh, but not quite good enough. But now they're saying there could be a curse on The Only Way is Essex. And uh, as I say... One can only hope they axe the programme as soon as possible, just to save poor fishwife Lauren Goodger and uh, hair-receding Mark Wright and Billy and Sam Fa'ears. 
who constantly are arguing in their shop. Never seen a customer yet. Never seen a customer. Give it six months, I tell you. They'll all be there going, wow, we kind of wasted that one, didn't we, darling? Kind of wasted that opportunity. And Amy Childs will be desperately pleading with anybody who's listening to try and get her a job somewhere, because I'm like, you know, I'm like model businesswoman. Heard it all before, haven't we? LBC 97. Hello. 18 minutes past four. It's nice to have your company this morning. Um, apparently... Uh, Victoria Beckham is going to be fronting a campaign to big up Britain. Doesn't even live here. What's the point of having somebody who doesn't even live here who's deserted us for the, for the bright lights and the money of America and just about anywhere else? But there's loads of pictures in the paper today of her without her glasses on. And now you know, when you see her without her glasses, that's why she wears glasses. She wears the big sunglasses all the time because they cover up the fact that her face, nothing against her, but the face doesn't quite lend itself to not having glasses. No, I'm, I'm trying to say this in a roundabout way. OK, with glasses, she looks better. OK, that's, that's the hard and fast rule about it. Because if you look at pictures of her, she's got quite sunken eyes. You know, she could actually appear in horror movies without too much makeup, And that's why what, what they do is, if you put big glasses on her, it, it makes her look better. Because looking at the pictures of her in the Daily Star, I'll, I'll show them to the producer, and she will agree with me, as always. She never disagreed with me yet. We were looking at... We, we looked at pictures the other day of her, didn't we? And she looked... Without her, her glasses on, she's got sunken eyes, and it's probably... You know, there's nothing you can do about it. She looks a little bit... A little bit freaky. A little bit sort of scary. You know, she could go... Poo! And we'd all go... Ah! And run away, a bit like the Muppets kind of thing. So there's more, more pictures of her in the Today Today. Unfortunately, she'd had a few drinks. Now, because she only eats a lettuce leaf every three months, uh, any, any alcohol she would have has a dire effect on her. So she was a bit sloshy, I'm afraid. Uh, somebody said she seemed very tired and emotional. A spokesman for Victoria declined to comment. In other words, yeah, but we're not talking about it. I think it's quite funny, that. Don't you think that's funny? Always a picture of Danielle Westbrook. My God, she's looking ancient. Good grief, honestly. Doesn't it? She's only 38. And she looks about 70. Dreadful picture. Dreadful picture of her. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, glamorous babe, Danielle Lineker. <laughs> Don't get me going. Uh, wants to swap her luxurious life from Manchester Council estate. Oh, back to your roots then, Poppet. Back to your roots. Apparently she's want to be actress now. Want to be actress because um, she said, I, I want to, because she, she, she's done Calendar Girls. But she didn't have to do anything in Calendar Girls. She just had to sort of, you know, take her clothes off and strip down to bra and knickers. And that was about it. She thinks that's being an actress, bless her heart. No, love, it's not. It's about as acting as uh, your old man is holding up a crisp to the camera for £500,000. That's about it. Um, as, uh, oh, I have to laugh at the picture of the big fat gypsy, which is very funny. Um, game. Oh, I did like the picture. There's a nice picture of uh, Ronnie Corbett. And he was getting his, uh, his award from Her Majesty, a CBE. He barely came up to her soldiers and she said, you make people laugh. He said, I think she's remarkable for age. She is absolutely, she is absolutely remarkable. And so well done, Ronnie. You know, that was very nice indeed. And well done to a couple called Ian Roberts and his wife Pam, who live in Lytham St Anne's. They opened their front door the other day, not for living in Lytham St Anne's, but they opened the front door to find a basket. And inside the basket was £21,000 in cash. 21000 So they very... Because being an honest couple, and coming from Lytham St Anne's, which is where people go to die, they decided to take it to the local police station, and uh, and they did. And um, and after three, three months, three weeks, whatever it was, the police gave it back to them. And, and they said, you can keep it, because nobody's claimed it. So that's nice. So they've ended up with, with £21,000... All in £20 notes. 
How honest. You see, if you're honest, you get rewarded. And so because they were honest and handed it into the local police station, then um, it was it was great. You actually get the money back. I don't know what they're going to do with it. I don't really care, actually. I just think it's a nice thing. That, where she is, poor old Amy Childs, troweled on makeup and Trisha Penrose. Trisha looks so much better in that dress than Amy, who just looks like she's been hauled out through a hedge again backwards, that ropey old hair, and they've stuck her in this... This cheap-looking dress, I'm afraid. Well, on her, it looks cheap. And, uh, and it was, it's at a fashion show. Who on earth in their right mind? Who is Pia Mishi? Have you heard of Pia Mishi? No. I'm assuming if you invite somebody like Amy Charles to a fashion show, it's low rent. It can't be... You know, they're not going to invite her to Dior or Diorissimo or something like that, or Karl Lagerfeld, you know, because Amy Charles wouldn't get an invite for that. She'd get an invite to the low rent stuff. And that's why Pia Mishi... Where was it? Doesn't it... Yes, Burberry she might go to. No, Burberry's trying to go up market. Burberry's trying to go up market. It's, it's a bit OK. Even though Danielle Westbrook took it so far down market, we thought it would never recover. And most people who work in markets have got Burberry caps on. and Bur- It's just it's a bit chavvy, isn't it? Whichever way you look at it, it still looks chavvy. I know you can get some nice coats and things like that, but the actual Burberry check you generally see on chavs, don't you? Sort of, you know, from Wales and things like that. I don't want to say all chavs come from Wales. Most of them. and uh, But the good news is that uh, this year, to celebrate the fact that uh, Wales are playing rugby in Twickenham next Saturday, we've decided to put up some flag. I say flag because we haven't put up that many, so every other shop has got a Welsh flag over it in Twickenham. There's nobody Welsh in Twickenham at all. We're all British. And uh, so you've got, you've got the, the British... It ma- it's made us look really chavvy. We've got the Cross of St George, then we've got the Welsh flag. Cross of St George, the Welsh flag. Twickenham has now gone so down market, it's irretrievable, I'm afraid. We can't... Re- Why can't we have the proper flag? Why can't we have the Union flag up there? What have we got to have that, that chavvy thing? Because... Chavs are flaggy. Well, chavs are flaggy. Flags are chavy anyway. They just are, because generally... And especially the flag of St George. If you see the flag of St George hanging outside a pub, you know it's chav. You don't want to go there, because you know it's women with big hoop earrings, blokes who go, go blimey, gov. You know, up on the rooftops, Mary Poppins, and uh, we'll all have a pint with a cherry in it. You know, it's, it's all a bit embarrassing. If you, see a, if you see a union flag outside, the Union Jack, it means it looks a bit classier. But if you see the flag of St George, it's been taken so far... You know, you generally expect somebody with a flag of St George tattooed on their forehead to have a pit bull on a lead. They're not going to have a poodle, are they? They're not going to be walking down the street with sort of a chihuahua or something like that. They're going to have a pit bull, somebody that makes them look hard. And generally the blokes have got sort of tattoos on their faces. The women have generally got tattoos on their faces as well. And the blokes have got the cheap Burberry caps on. But they're not, they're not proper Burberry because they can't afford Burberry. So they're fake. And the girls have got their sort of, you know, Dior sunglasses on. But they're fake as well. And they've got the fake Ugg boots which fall apart after about the first winter. But, uh, but they think they look classy. There's more, more chavs about everywhere. I can't believe it. I mean, I've had to stop looking in the window of Iceland. Because people start waving as you look the other side. And they've got a deal on at the moment for Aunt Bessie's jam roly-poly. It's only a pound. And I'm so desperate to go in there and buy it. But I haven't, haven't quite got round to it. Because I think a pound for roly-poly is very good value. 84850stevedlbc.co.uk uh, or 08456060973. Can you think of anybody worse than Victoria Beckham to front a campaign to bring people to this country? Why would people want to come to this country because of Victoria Beckham? I don't quite get that. She's left the country. So what's the point of trying to attract people to it? Who would you nominate as somebody who could sort of sell this country? My God, you could sell this country so well, couldn't you? You could absolutely sell it uh, very well, very, very well indeed. I think it'd be fantastic. Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard would be very good. Do you think so? I know somebody said to me the other day, you know, with Wimbledon, you know, the one thing you do, whenever you go to Wimbledon, you pray that Cliff Richard doesn't go or it rains. 
Because the combination of the two, I'm afraid, is a little bit naff. You know damn well that if it rains, Cliff's going to get up and go, we're... Shut up! Sit down! It kind of puts you off a little bit, doesn't it? Sticky back plastic, says Sylvia. That's what they used to call it. Um, <laughs> Kevin the Milkman says, I've heard of that brand of foundation that the only way is Essex girls use. It's called Blue Circle Cement. They trowel it on, don't they? My God. I mean, you've never seen anything that looks less female than the cast of The Only Wears Essex. As I say, it looks like a line-up of the latest cheap Thai ladyboys show. And that's the nicest thing you can say about it, I'm afraid. 84850, steve at I mean, it's bad, isn't it? Sorry? This one? Adele? What about Adele? British ambassador? Yeah, quite. Apparently, that story of her retiring for five years was rubbish. It was, it was one of those funny little comments her spokesman said she made, but she didn't mean it. I thought, oh, that's a shame. I was quite looking forward to a bit of peace and quiet for five years from Adele. Because now she's got all these awards, she's going to be unbearable. Un- you know what people are like when they get awards? That's why I haven't got any awards. That's why I'm bitter and twisted. But it uh, served me quite well, actually, that my career. It served me very, very well. Very, very well indeed. Um, apparently, pensions poverty means we work longer. So no matter what you're hoping for, Christo's still going to be here come next week, OK? I can throw it back the other way. And the sun this morning, this is uh, nuclear secrets which have been lost. I, don't know, I, I get confused when people talk about nuclear secrets. The landlord of Abu Qatar's new home has told of his shock at discovering the terrorist suspect is his tenant. He actually rented it out, he thought, to a single mother and four children. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then he turns up. And then they've got the woman accused of killing Casey Leanne Kearney. Apparently was sort of... These people must have mental illnesses. I can't imagine why you'd want to stab a, a 13-year-old. But they've named this bloke. Uh, this is the teenage thug. This is um, the uh, the man who broke the jaw of a Malaysian student. Do you remember we all saw it on the television? They actually robbed him of his bike and they went through all his belongings. They punched him. And, uh, and it's Bo... Isakbar, who's 17, his identity can finally be revealed. A rather stupid-looking girl's blouse in the papers today. He smashed his jaw in two places, and then he rode off in the victim's bike. And we all saw it on the television, we thought, I hope they catch you very shortly. Well, they have caught him. They have found him here. And Bo Isakbar is named and shamed in all the papers today. What a pathetic little girl's blouse he is. But uh, they'll be looking forward to meeting you in prison, sunshine. 17 years old... Actually, there was another group of people in prison. They're getting younger and younger now. It's just ridiculous. But as I say, all the, uh, all the old lags in there, you know, really enjoy looking forward to those young boys turning up. Um, I don't know anything about Scientology. The only thing I know about Scientology is that Tom Cruise is a Scientologist and apparently they teach people that humans are infected uh, by the souls of dead aliens called Thetans. Yeah. You not know that? Oh, that's what they do, yeah. Uh, down by the Mermaid Theatre, there's a huge Scientology building. And uh, it's full of a lot of very strange people. There used to be a place on Tottenham Court Road, and I think it's still there. And they used to have free personality tests. And you walk in there, and it's, it's the Scientologists. And what they're doing is flogging you their books. And, and it's supposed to be a different way of life, and some people like it. I think you have to give a percentage of your money to the church. Well, there's a woman here who's claimed that she was waterboarded as part of the, the cult's twisted bid to control members. They, do, they have something called the hole, where they lock people up in it. I've never heard of this before. It's all very busy. It's not, not, not here. It's in America. She was forced to lick the dirty floor, and then she was slapped and left to roast at 106 degrees Fahrenheit. I think I'll join immediately. Sounds a fabulous kind of place. I mean, what a weekend that would be, isn't it, really? Made to lick the floor and do all these other things. But uh, she says she's, she's not happy with the way... And it's not the first time that there have been claims about the way Scientology um, keep people in. Um, she says here, 
she was sued by the uh, by the cult for breach of contract after criticising in an email after agreeing to keep quiet. I always worry about secret organisations. You know, the more open they are, it's only another religion. If you want to believe in it, it's your business, isn't it? But uh, when it when it turns to people sort of being hurt and people who then sort of have to, have to go to the newspapers, that's when it becomes a little bit more sinister. A little bit more sinister. Anyway, we'll take a short break. We'll have the uh, the news. 84850, uh, We're also going to ask what, later whether you trust holiday reviews and we're looking for a new ambassador to represent this country. It's LBC 97.3. Time now is 4.30. <laughs> 28 minutes to five. Welcome along to Friday morning. It's Selby C's Early Breakfast with Steve Allen. I finished watching... Well, I, th- I don't know how many more programmes are there on the Diamond Queen. Were there two or three? I'll tell you one thing I learned, because I, when I watch these programmes, I like to learn about a bit more about the royal family. Because I think if you're going to talk on a, on a radio programme, best to be uh, well-informed, and I am well-informed. I've got one of these minds that just absorbs anything. Any old rubbish, any old tat, it just gets absorbed in, and at the right moment, it regurgitates itself, and you think, oh, that's good, that's fine. And the one thing I learnt, they, they had Prince Edward, and he was talking about the Order of the Garter. And you know that every year at Windsor, they have the, uh, the Order of the Garter ceremony, and it's the good and the great of the country. But they seem to have dished it out to anybody in the royal family. Prince Edward's got one, I think Prince William's got one. Uh, Charles has got it. Everybody's got it. And I thought that the Order of the Garter, with all these, this regalia, went back into the Dark Ages. No, no, no. It was the Queen's father who started it in 1948. So it's, it's something that's new. It was just made up. They just thought people wanted to see a bit of pomp and circumstance. They thought they'd, they'd waste some money on the Order of the Garter. So it's nothing that's steeped in history at all. 1948, and that I didn't realise. You watch them walking down the hill, and you see Prince William sitting there, and you think, why has he been given the Order of the Garter? He's not the good and the great. All right, he's the Queen's son, but I mean, for goodness sake. A little bit, little bit random. And Prince Edward, what's he ever done? Couldn't even make it as a Marine, but he's been given the Order of the Garter. But um, at least I now know that it's something new that they made up, and it was something just to add a bit of, a bit of interest, I suppose. Uh, 84850... John says, at least you don't have David Beckham and his H&M undies on TV here in New York all the time. Oh, it's, it's a TV ad running, is it? Oh, right. Yes. Yes, I mean, yeah, yeah, most, of, most of the girls around here, and some of the boys, uh, wouldn't actually mind David Beckham on TV in an advert. I just keep thinking they must really need the money. I mean, they, 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 they've got millions and millions, and he has to advertise underpants. And you think, perhaps they're really desperate. Perhaps, they're, perhaps they've fallen on hard times. Perhaps, you know, if, if they don't do this, they can't afford to have another child or something. I don't know. Can't think of any other reason why Dave would sit there, you know, design a pair of pants. How difficult can that be? And then sort of have them made up and then go on to have an advertise and then go, oh, I'm really embarrassed. You think, what do you say? You stood in a studio with a strange photographer in your pants and you didn't think that bit was odd. No, seeing yourself projected in Times Square apparently was slightly odd. Oh, very peculiar, isn't it? The whole thing. But uh, Mum and Maya... Uh, John's going to be back on Saturday for the jumble sale. Can't beat a good jumble sale. I love a good jumble sale. I love a good, you know, a proper jumble sale. I do, I like a jumble sale. Uh, but I don't, I don't buy anything. I, don't, I just, I don't sort of wander around and look and think, thank God I never wore that. And, uh, no, I don't. I mean, I, I, j- I like looking, because sometimes it's amazing the stuff people throw out. I went with my friend uh, Anna years ago. We went and do a, a car boot, because they don't call them jumble sales now. They call them car boots. And we went to do one. I, I did it in the, in the, in the rolls. And uh, and we had a little table and we had a kettle and everything. We made our own tea. We, we brewed up and everything. It was quite nice. And uh, and then she wandered off and she came back. She'd bought more stuff than she was selling. 
So we ended up taking more home again. I kept thinking, no, this is definitely not right. Definitely not right. There's a headline, actually, on the front of the Daily Mail today. I'm lonely and can't sleep. And I thought, Christo, uh, immediately... It turns out not. It's George Clooney. George Clooney cannot sleep. Nobody can sleep round here at the moment. Is it the weather? Is it the weather because it's all over the place? I put the heating on last night, but before I, before I climb into bed, I flick the heating off. And so, because you can't sleep with the heating on, and I've inadvertently in here flicked it up a bit, because it, it goes in here, it's a bit like being in the middle of the Arctic Circle sometimes. You sit in here and sort of, you know, you've got scarves on, and there's penguins wandering around in the corner, and polar bears coming in. Well, actually, it wouldn't be polar bears and penguins, would it? Because they'd be different ends, I think. And, uh, and whatever it is, you know, shh. And, uh, and, and then other times you sit in it, it's like a tropical rainforest. It's quite nice. I don't, I don't mind tropical rainforests. But I can't remember if we've actually got to the end of the Diamond Queen or if there's another few. If there is, I'll have to write to John Warrington and get him to uh, give, him, give him a ring later on today and say, can you record the other ones? Because the first two I've loved. Very, very interesting. Watching the Queen working. And 80, whatever she is, 86, 85. She's fantastic for 85, 86. I mean, just fantastic. I think he's, he's good too. Very good indeed. And uh, going back to the man of 48 stone, says Noreen, what on earth are the carers playing at? I saw a programme in America where people were in hospital to lose weight and the clients were all waiting at the gate for their friends to bring pizza, burgers, etc. I ask you. Well, I said that before. I mean, surely that, that is not a carer. Somebody who buys this man or makes eight hot dogs for him. You know, the worst food you can have are hot dogs. They are so... So fattening. They're just full of gunk and rubbish. Although, to be honest with you, I bought something the other day. I don't know how we ever find out about these sort of things. And it's from um, a pasty shop on Waterloo Station. I think it might be called the pasty... It might not be called the pasty shop. I can't remember what it's called. Whatever it is. But they do in the morning a sausage, a Cumberland sausage, in a, in a crusty roll. And it was quite nice. And so I bought a couple. And then the other day, I bit into it. And, you know, it didn't look like there was any meat. You know, when you open up a sausage... And you, you can taste meat. This one looked like it was all ground-up meal. It, it, and I, I remember thinking, as I'm sitting on... And, in fact, I ended up leaving it. I should have actually taken it to one of these... I uh, should have taken it to my friend Beverly in Twickenham. She could have had it examined or something to find out exactly what was in it. Because this thing didn't look like it had much meat in it at all. I was very disappointed. And I thought they've actually... And it was £2.60. £2.60 for a, a threepenny roll and a, and a pretend sausage. And I thought then, no. And, of course, unfortunately, most people who buy food on railway stations, you're generally speaking, you're not, you're not going there for, for your health reasons. You're going there to get a train. And so you want something to eat on the train. And so people buy that and they sit there. But this was so disgusting and revolting. I might buy another one today and get it analysed and find out what's in it. It might be worthwhile sending it away to one of these companies. Go, Can you tell me exactly what's in this? Because I might warn you off it, because I'm quite good at eating things, and if I don't like the taste of it, I mean, I, I am known to be quite, uh, quite vociferous in my complaining. You know, I've, compl- I've, d- I've done a few bits of complaining in the past, and people, because I just don't think it's right. We shouldn't have to put up with it. The Americans don't put up with it. Why should we put up with it? Goodness sake, complain all the time, as far as I'm concerned. Emma's in Camden. She says, very funny this morning. What, you are or me? I mean, I'm always like that. Um... Judith says the order of the garter was not invented for it. It was a ceremony. Yes, but it, it, it doesn't go back far at all. It's, it was done for sort of tourism, and that's and that's why you know you sort of sit there and watch it. And there's people in the. It's quite nice, but it's a bit mamby pamby, isn't it? I'm afraid. Uh, Joey Essex is afraid of the dark. John Travolta is a Scientologist, but in Germany it's banned. How about Katie Price, Jodie Marsh, and Kerry Katona as an amb- as an ambassador for Britain? It's a lovely idea, actually. I think that's a very good idea, isn't it? Jodie Marsh, my God, honestly. Little Miss Vacuous, Kerry Katona. I mean, to be honest with you, 
<laughs> and uh, Katie Price, she's almost all, all disappeared off the scale, hasn't she? Mind you, she hasn't got a book to promote at the moment. She hasn't got a boyfriend. Oh, dear. Still single, Katie. Ever looked at yourself in the mirror and worked out exactly why that is? Uh, Deanna says, I so agree with your opinion of Greg, creepy, creepy Wallace. What are his culinary credentials? I don't know, actually, where he came from. Yes, he's, is he just a food taste? Can we find out, actually? Just have a look at him on, don't, don't do Wikipedia, because that's just the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever read in your life. Nobody relies on Wikipedia anymore. And so we need to find out, what is, was he a grocer or something? He's definitely creepy. You know, there are certain, I said to you the other day, there are people you, and it's only, it's only television, strangely enough. Radio, it doesn't, I take that back, actually. Uh, but it's, it's mainly television, where you watch somebody, and they come over as being creepy. It's like watching the one show, with sort of Matt and that, that Welsh girl. They come over as, as, as creepy. It's obviously the thing, and then the other day, I, what did I turn on? Inadvertently, poor little Vernon Kay's lame show, Family Fortunes. This was Celebrity Family Fortunes, with... Carol Vorderman, who was so irritating, it was almost unbelievable. I mean, it was, it was that unbelievable. I was watching her thinking, oh, stop showing off, Carol, for God's sake. All the programmes she's ever done have been low rent. She's never, she's never done anything. She's a bit Kenneth Williams. And all he ever did was sort of cheap naff things. That's all she did. So she turns up in Celebrity Family Fortune. She can't need the money. She milked it. Out of countdown for donkey's years till they finally saw the light and went, we're not paying four grand a year for somebody to sit there and do some adding up on a board. Thank you very much indeed. And, and then on the other side was Russell Grant, whose family appeared not to want to talk to him. He spent most of the time not knowing what was going on at all. He's off his trolley, I'm afraid. Ridiculous. George Wallace started George Allen's Greengrocers in 1989. He was the original presenter of Saturday Kitchen. Was he really? So he's just, he's just a greengrocer. That's why he's creepy, isn't it? He's not a chef, though, is he? He's not a, he's not a chef in a, or a cook in a, in a restaurant or anything like that. He sells veg at Covent Garden. Oh, dear. That kind of sums him up, then, doesn't it? So, so now you know. That's why we don't like it. The other person I cannot stand is the girl on Country File. With, with the, not, um, not any of the established presenters. She's the little one. She's a bit smiley, smiley, Carol Smith. You just wish she'd trip up and fall in her own mouth. Because she's got, she looks like she's wearing somebody else's hair. It looks fake hair. She's got the look of Amy Childs about her. And she's all a bit, she's a bit jolly hockey sticks. Uh, there's something about her you just can't, you wish she'd fall off the end of the cliff. You know? Uh, have you noticed, with the, uh, the cheery Mrs. Beckham, that her baby is an exact replica of her mum? Never smiles. And babies don't smile. The only time babies ever smile is when they've got wind. That's the only time they go, oh, look, it's smiling. No, it's got wind. It's got wind. Uh, And as you pointed out, never lives here anyway. How about Richard Branson? I love his new spoof adverts when he can't get in the studio. He's a good sport. Yes, he's always been very good at uh, at doing publicity, Richard Branson. Very, very good. He likes that, that kind of thing. Lorraine says the Beckhams are not daft. They're very clever. She will lose her looks and he can't play football forever. They'll always have money. Oh, yes, I mean, put it this way, we don't have any problem with, uh, with him playing football. Even he admits he's getting a bit ancient for the football. And, and they've got loads of money. I think they've got, I think their fortune was estimated about, was it between 50 and 100 million or something? How much money do you need? Depends where the boys work, doesn't it, really? Dee says, I can't sleep either. Been awake now for two hours with the odd hour nap. Not much fun. See, I'm sleeping like a top. I mean, I am, I climb into bed and it's, I've got these new pillows at the moment. I can't remember where they came from. Because I used to get through pillows quite a lot. These pillows are really good and they're a bit soft and squidgy. And I quite like soft and squidgy. And, and I sort of lay down and I just drifted off within seconds. 
I'm currently watching Will and Grace. I'm annoying myself with that one because uh, Grace is very infuriating. In fact, she's just she's just the needy person. You wish she'd held her under the bath water, I'm afraid, in it. <coughs> but I bought the box set because it was quite good value. And, uh, and so, I, but I fall asleep really quickly. Everybody else at the moment round here is sort of saying, oh, I can't sleep, I can't do that. And I'm thinking, I sleep, I sleep. Like another picture of the Beckhams, the pride of Britain. This must be an old picture, I suspect. Uh, Dave wearing a suit, but with those ghastly cheap tattoos, and her wearing the big sunglasses, because that's how she looks best. Oh, dear. The picture of uh, Lenny Henry with his new girlfriend... And uh, she's the one-time associate director and head of casting at the Royal Court Theatre in London. Her name is Lisa Makin. How lucky to pick somebody in theatre, you know, if you're trying to forge a career. But she looks almost identical to Dawn French. Almost identical to Dawn French. That's strange, actually. Very strange. Mind you, people do do that, don't they? People do do that. Uh, other pictures. Apparently, a council in France has abolished the word mademoiselle from all official documents, because it's condescending and sexist. Who used that line when somebody said, oh, madam, mademoiselle, mademoiselle, they said, I can't remember what the programme was now. Somebody said it. So it's now condescending. Was it Ab Fab? That's right, yes, it was Ab Fab, yes. Uh, madam, mademoiselle, she says, but it's condescending and sexist. I didn't think so. But apparently uh, people are now in the, uh, in the Paris suburb of uh, Fortenay-sous-Bois now merely have to tick boxes after asking if they're male or female. Because I always get confused. You know, they tick it in and they say, you know, Mr. Because we've we either got Mr. or that's it. We don't have anything else. But m- women have all these different things. If they're, you know, depending on whether you're married or single or spinster or sitting on a shelf in the corner. Ms. You know, and even sometimes you get, you know, Ms. Even if they're... Even if they're married to celebrities, it's like a lot of people don't change their names. So now that normally when you get married, if, if I actually got married to Holly, <laughs> sorry, God, sorry, a momentary lapse there. Quite clearly, the uh, the cake's kicking in. But I mean, you know, she would then change her name, and she'd be Mrs. Allen. Doesn't sound very exciting, I know, does it? Really, it doesn't sound as though it's a working a work in progress. I'm afraid. But then a lot of people in show business hang on to their names. So it was always John Thor and and Sheila. They, they were, you know, it was two separate people. Eamon Holmes has got Ruth Langsford. She's not, she's not Ruth Holmes, mind you. You wouldn't want to embarrass yourself and tell people I'm married to that fat blob, would you? That's the kind of thing. But in France, Madame was, uh, good Lord, picture of Lisa Snowden in her underwear here. <clears throat> Does she know this is in the papers today? Lisa Snowden in the, uh, in her underwear, Joe. You like this one? This is just up your street. Oh, look, bless him, his little head's just appeared over the parapet again. It's quite nice, actually, isn't it? doing an impression of the borrowers this morning. Uh, the Beckhams are worth £135 million. How much money do you need? How much money do you need? Mind you, there's that couple up, uh, up in Scotland. They've actually got more, haven't they? They've got £161 million, £161 million, which they won on the lottery. So richer, richer, richer by far than the Beckhams, which is, uh, which is good news. So you're working longer, and they say it will get worse. They suggest that 68 will be the suggested pension age by the year 2046. Luckily, I will not be around in the year 2046. I'm quite confident in saying that, but uh, it's, it's just not going to be happy. I'd be interested to come back, though. I'd quite like to come back and see, you know, if, if there was such a thing as an afterlife, if there was such a thing as you could leave this world and then set up there and then, then God decides to send you back as an angel... And you could come back and just see, you know, what... I'd, I'd quite like to be at my own funeral. I mean, I will be, but obviously, you know, it won't be their compass mentors to be able to watch it. I'd quite like to see if people turn up and do the mourning. You know, I want to make sure there's a good turnout. We don't want to see just two or three people in the... You know, I want to see who's actually sobbing. 
I really want to see... I'm debating. Open casket? Not open casket. I don't know. I'll have to think about that later. But I wonder, wouldn't it be great if you could come back and you can come back down to earth as an angel? And then, it, as in that, that great thing, the, the bishop's wife with Cary Grant, where he's sent back down to earth as an angel. And I thought, I quite like that idea. You could do some good for people and you could help them out and they wouldn't know that you were an angel, but you'd tell them and they, they still wouldn't believe you until, you until you vanished in a puff of smoke before... Look at this, I'm so late. It's you, that's your fault for not telling me. London's biggest conversation. So looking forward to Pancake Day. So looking forward to Pancake Day. In fact, so much so that I, I bought some lemons yesterday and I brought my little juice tap in as well. Now, you remember I told you about the juice tap because I bought this years ago in Brighton. And I bought it because I watched a guy demonstrating it. And at the end, I swore blind, I'm never going to buy one of these things. Lo and behold, I bought one. And what it is, it's a little plastic gizmo that you screw into the top of a lemon or an orange and 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 you can keep it in the fridge like that and it's very nice but when you walk your fingers around the fruit the little tap fills up with the juice without the pips in it so you can make yourself uh, you know a cup of hot lemon and water or you can pour it over your pancakes and and I thought to myself I'm quite looking forward to pancakes but there's a lazy pancake out there at the moment I know most housewives will be absolutely horrified that you can buy ready-made pancakes you don't even need to you don't need to cook the things you just need to heat them up Marks and Spencers do a pack of ready-made pancakes. But my mother used to make the thinnest pancakes ever, which were... Del- I mean, you could just eat them till the cows came home. Little bit of sugar sprinkled on there, little bit of lemon... I don't know why we put lemon juice on them, I don't know. Perhaps it's that tart feeling. And, and you pop those on the top. I could eat ten pancakes easy. But the ones they're selling in M&S are a little bit thicker than usual. And I don't think pancakes should be thick. So then I, I walk past Iceland fairly quickly. And, uh, but I slowed down the doorway because they've got a display of lemons and pancake mix. And it's some powder in, in a bottle. And you add water and then shake it up. And then you pour a little bit into a frying pan and you make pancakes. Now, I've never been particularly good at tossing. I know this, this comes a big surprise to many people, but I've tr- I just cannot do it. I cannot do it. I've sought guidance from other people. And they've tried to say, listen, what you do, you've got to make sure you've got the butter in there and it's got to go all the way around. I never know how much. Is it a knob you put in there? Is it, you know, is it, I don't know. I don't even know what a knob is, to be honest with you. And then you sort of, you put the, the pancake mixture in there, you swirl it round, and then you put in a little bit, and then you go like that, and then you flip over the edge, and then you turn it over. And this apparently makes a pancake. Not when I do it. Mine sticks to the bottom of the pan every single blooming time. So I've decided this year I might actually forego the pleasure and have, and have a trifle instead because it's so much easier because pa- my mother was particularly good at making pancakes i mean she could make a stack of them really really quickly in fact she she, she could make them quicker than, than we could eat them it's like chocolate milk as a kid i only mentioned chocolate milk because i've just seen an advert on the television and chocolate milk and you say, and the kids get this chocolate ring all around their mouth i love chocolate milk but they do some cheap versions of, i know I'm, I'm getting too excited this morning because it's, it's friday it's friday because i can go woo and do anything I like. You know, I can run screaming down the road to try and find chocolate milk. That's making me very thirsty thinking about it. Ray and Balham says, My vote for Ambassador to Britain goes hands down to Sir David Attenborough. He represents the best of this great nation. Yes, I agree. David Attenborough would be very good. Come to Britain. Because they've got, who is it? Is it Betty White in Florida? And she's about 80-something, last of the Golden Girls. So we're looking for somebody established who's got some credibility. I don't think David, you know, uh, David Beckham's wife, Victoria, lovely though she is, she's not got any credibility with selling this country. You know, they, they, they've got a house in Sawbridgeworth. It's a bit naff. It is a bit naff. Lots of regular of my listeners know the house very well indeed. I know it very well from the outside. Just down the road from... Uh, 
from where some other very famous people live. But their, theirs is known because it's Sawbridgeworth and it's put Sawbridgeworth on the map, as it were. And But they don't spend that much time here. How could you be an ambassador, you know, unless you know enough about the country? I mean, I'm sure if you quizzed her on its history, she wouldn't know enough. You need somebody who's established. David Frost would probably be very good at being an ambassador for this country because he knows about it and he'd be, he'd be very good. You know, it, I think he would be... He would be excellent. We don't want anybody young. I mean, you couldn't have anybody like anybody from the only way is Essex, because you don't you don't want people coming over. The uh, the paper today, or the Express, are talking about how the emergency services spend millions on fatties, people who are morbidly obese. Four point two billion a year we spend on people who are obese. Now, if it's a medical condition, we've established the fact that that's different. If it's somebody who is just a glutton and who eats for the country and doesn't get out of bed and doesn't work and doesn't contribute, then they're a waste of space. And these people should have any help taken away from them, what, you know, completely. Because I don't see why ambulance crews should have to sort of pick up... It took six people to move this 48-stone bloke the other day. This is Keith Martin after he had an accident. As far as I'm concerned, it's self-inflicted. You want to lose weight, you get out of bed. You can't get out of bed? Well, each day you, you learn to get out of bed. And whoever is preparing your food, why don't they, why don't they get him sponsored by Weight Watchers? You know, and, and, and let's see if Weight Watchers can really do their work. Any one of these places, Cambridge Diet, anything. Why don't they all sort of take him on as a challenge? Give him a little food. And he'll go, no, I want more food. And he'll go, you're not having it. You're not having it. You're staying in bed, and this is what you're having to eat. There's nothing else. OK, and let's see how long it takes to get the weight down. But it's no good just stopping eating to lose weight. You've got to do exercise, because otherwise you've just got the same amount of blubber sitting on there. But the NHS won't, won't do an operation on him because he's, he's too fat. He's a waste of space. He's eating all the wrong food. He knows he's eating all the wrong food. He wants a gastric band fitted. I mean, that's between eight and £14,000. Get out of the bed, you lazy so-and-so. Do that. It's just, you know, it's just appalling, really. Steve, if you'd asked ten years ago who would be the ambassador of Britain, I would have said the Queen. Sadly, more likely that would be Frank Gallagher, as portrayed by the actor David Threlfall in Shameless. Daniel Radcliffe and Tom Daly may be good, but slightly too young. Yes, I agree. Daniel Radcliffe and Tom Daly, very good. I love Tom Daly's new video. Have you seen him and some of his swimming mates have done a, a thing to, uh, to a song? It's very good, actually, wearing their little speedos. I'm trying to recreate it myself. I'm trying to get a few people from round here at LBC, and so, so far it's just me. Just me and the group and my little speedos. Nobody else wants to do it for some reason. Trying to persuade Nick Ferrari. Christo's volunteered, but to be honest with you, I, I, I put it to the vote and I voted no, definitely not, not to have Christo there. You know, the people of Mykonos have suffered year on year. Let's see why the rest of you should have to suffer at the same time. The Manchester Evening News ran an article, says Paul, about the new Blue Peter Garden. It was originally supposed to be on the roof of Media City within sight of the new Coronation Street set. However, it's now going to be near the front of the building. How helpful of the papers to mention there's no security where it'll be situated. As you said earlier, a disaster waiting to happen. Diamond Queen, three episodes long, and I'm sure there's been a TV advert campaign for David Beckham's pants over here already. Well, I haven't seen that one. Holly will be delighted. And now I know the Diamond Queen is three episodes long, then I'll have to... I'll have to wait for the, for the last one to arrive, which I'm sure John will be recording, even as we speak. Because I, I found the first two very, very interesting. Very interesting. Um, another one here. Uh, Kevin says, I've got fresh chocolate milk on the float. For you, John Warrington and Paul Savory, we should, you should promote our country. Fresh chocolate milk. You know, they did one in M&S, and it was Belgian chocolate. Because most of the chocolate milk was a bit cheap and, uh, and naff, I'm afraid. But the Belgian, speaking my mouth water again, but the Belgian chocolate one was particularly good, particularly good. So we're looking for your nominations 
on uh, on who you think would be a good person to represent this country. As an ambassador, they, they, they've said uh, Victoria Beckham, but to be honest with you, I don't really think she's the ideal... I don't think she's the ideal person. I could be wrong. And do you trust holiday review sites? Have you been... Uh, because there's um, there's uh, TripAdvisor, a woman on TripAdvisor... Uh, admitted smearing the reputation of an award-winning vegetarian restaurant she hadn't even visited. And um, The Good Life was struggling to attract outside custom. Profits even fell by a quarter as visitors to Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury apparently opted to steer clear of the vegetarian uh, restaurant. Uh, and they all these reviews that were written there were actually after some woman who was the partner of the bloke who owned it. They, they, they split up. And, um, and she, she started making really, really horrible remarks on TripAdvisor. And consequently, uh, and this, this woman, Miss Griffiths, used different names. Big surprise there. That's what a load of mentally ill people do. They use different names and they write... They're not even mentally ill, these people. They're just, they're just nasty. Nasty, nasty. And, and they tried to have the post removed... But um, it, it didn't work, I'm afraid. And eventually, Miss Griffiths was, uh, was tracked down with the help of a man who ran one of the sites on which she posted, which is good news. A nasty piece of work. She put all sorts of things on there in an effort to discredit the, uh, the restaurant. So what you have to do now is try and find out if the review for something that you want to go to is fake. And it's very difficult. It'd be very easy to... Uh, to post reviews about something, and then people would believe it without even visiting. So this this particular woman, nasty, 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 who waged the campaign of hate against her husband's former partner, effectively tried to close the business down. And uh, and it's it's a very good place. It's a very very good restaurant. A vital tool for travellers is TripAdvisor. Forty five million reviews uh, of more than five hundred thousand destinations, but there's no guarantee of how you can find out which ones are fake. You have to try and sort them out for yourself. It's, it's a bit... You, you do... I mean, they are called internet trolls. And luckily, more and more of them are being found, and the police are very keen to get them into court as quick as possible, and they prosecute big time. And many of them lose their jobs, and uh, they're kicked out of places. You know, really, really fantastic. So uh, the more things like that, you have to report them. Uh, Steve, John Barrowman auditioned for the part of Will and Will and Grace was turned down for being too camp. There's one thing John Barrowman ain't, and that's camp, let me tell you. John Barrowman is very, very butch. And also, um, I, th- I think the fact that he was gay wouldn't have worked well in Will and Grace. It was the fact that the man who played Will was straight. Uh, was that, although Karen was a big disappointment when she came over here, the girl who played Karen, because she wasn't at all like the character in the, uh, in the show, and people wanted to be like that, and she wasn't. She was quite serious, which kind of sort of made her... Uh, could have kind of changed it a bit for me, but I thought she was a fab character. Listen, news coming up very shortly at five o'clock here on LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. News, though, is with Sam Pittis. On FM, online and digital radio, London Conversation, this is LBC 97.3. It's five o'clock. Good morning, I'm Sam Pittis. Rupert Murdoch is expected to meet staff at The Sun at the paper's headquarters in Wapping. Ten current and former senior reporters and executives at the paper have been arrested since November over alleged corrupt payments to public officials. There's anger at the paper that the News Corporation's Management Standards Committee, formed to clean up the company following phone hacking scandal, gave police the information that led to the arrests. 
Foreign Secretary William Hague has called on Syria's President Bashar Assad to allow a peaceful political transition in his country. It follows an overwhelming vote in the United Nations condemning human rights violations by the regime. The UK's ambassador to the UN, Mark Lyle Grant, says Mr Assad must take notice. This is an unambiguous... Morning, four minutes past five. Nice to have you company. Welcome to Friday morning. Do you argue with your partner about what time you get up in the morning? I mean, assuming, of course, you have a partner. Doesn't apply to you, Lorraine, does it? Doesn't apply to you. It only applies to people who've actually got partners. Do you use the snooze button on your alarm clock? You know when the alarm goes off in the morning, you go, oh, grief. Especially if you get up at different times. That's always the, uh, the big problem, isn't it? You get up at different times, you go, oh, God. I'll put the alarm. Because you have to creep out of bed very, very quietly and then go into the bathroom. And if you've got an ensuite bathroom, there's no way you can be quiet about things, is there? You just, you know, I just make clattering noises every morning from going into the kitchen to sort of put, put the, the, the automatic hot water thing on to sort of shaving and doing... You just automatically make noise in the morning. You can't do it quietly. It's not possible. So I wonder whether you argue with your partner about what time. Britain spend almost half an hour each morning with their alarms on snooze. You know when you're lying there and you go, I'll just have five more minutes. Five more minutes. I've done it loads of times. I don't do it now. I haven't done it for eight. I don't have a snooze alarm. But in my, in my sleep, I can hear the alarm and I've got two. Well, I've actually got five in the bedroom, but I only ever wake up on two. I used to wake up hours before them. Now I'm really good at going back to sleep again. I'm sleeping so much better. And it goes, it's one of those beep, 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 beep. Beep, 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 get up, beep, 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 and so it goes on. I wanted to buy one that had the sound of waves crashing on the sand and water and birdsong, but I didn't think I'd wake up to that. In fact, I was pr- pretty certain I wasn't going to wake up to the sound of birdsong or water or something like that. And so I, I, I quite like the idea of having that five minutes, but not for years. The moment the alarm goes off, I bounce out of bed because I'm too worried about oversleeping. I'm too worried about the alarm going off, turning it off, and just and just getting you know, getting completely confuddled and then waking up and going, oh, my God, look at the time. Because it, it would be absolutely dreadful. It would be absolutely dreadful. I, I couldn't cope with that. That would that would, that'd be my worst nightmare. Oversleeping would be my definite worst nightmare. But I wonder if you do it at home. Do you go for the extra five minutes? Especially at this time of the morning. Because whichever way you look at it, it's five past five in the morning. I know that London is awake and there's people out there and you know there's people out there because we get, you know, we get calls from milkmen and we get calls from all sorts of people who are who are wide awake. Some people working and uh, and some people not working. Some people who just happen to wake up, some people who are insomniacs, some people who who find it so difficult to sleep that they'll be awake now and then what happens is when it gets a bit lighter, then they doze off. Whereas, in fact, really, if you're awake now and you're an insomniac, you need to try and stay awake all the way through the day. That's the problem. All the way until you get to, say, like, 7 or 8 o'clock tonight, then go to bed, then you'll sleep. But if you doze off now... Don't... don't you're, you're going, aren't you? You can go... You, isn't it awful you feel your eyes getting heavier and you think, just, just close my eyes for a little bit. And then, psh, you've gone. That's the difficult bit. You've got to stay awake. You've got to get yourself into a pattern. So I know when I go to bed at 7, 7.30 at night, I'm tired. That's why I climb into bed. I'm out within five minutes. I don't think I've survived any longer than five minutes because I just love cool sheets. Oh, absolutely fantastic. It's the best thing ever. Uh, Best thing ever. Joe uh, Hardiman. Morning, Joe. Joe Hartman, says you didn't know who uh, Michelle Williams was. She's the star of My Week with Marilyn, a fantastic film which my brother directed. She also had a child with Heath Ledger. Thank you, Joe, very much indeed. Now I know. Now, actually, there's another picture of her in the uh, in the paper today, so I know twice as well. Sandy is in America, 
is in uh, Minnesota. Been 19 years. Technology is a wonderful thing. And I'm able to listen to you and the rest of your LBC colleagues every day live via my iPod and computer. So that's good news. And uh, well done to John. We talked about collections the other day on the programme. And John collects um, cars, little model cars and model soldiers. He said, I've also got a collection of nearly 100 years of old pennies. Missing, unfortunately, the rarer ones, like 1932. Do you remember that people just say, get the 1932 penny, it's worth money. And... uh, (laughs) And uh, we all used to look for this 1932, but we never found it, because I'm, I'm sure it never, ever existed at all. But uh, I know lots of people who collect cars and things like that, but they don't play with them. Cars were meant to be played with. That was the problem with toy cars. That's why, you know, they are rare. Some of them are quite rare. I wish I'd saved, as I said yesterday, most of the things that I bought, because it would have been, you'd have, you'd have set yourself up for life. We talk about my, my parents' first car. One of the first cars they had was a Hillman Minx. A Hillman Minx. And Paul Cooper said to me, I said, if you'd still kept that, that'd be worth money. And I said, no, I, I know, but you, you never think about it, do you? Whereas, in fact, if you bought this car and put it in the garage, in mothballs, and changed the oil and done everything else and started the engine up every so often, it would be worth a lot of money now. But they're not. Cars are a bit disposable. They're like clothes. If you'd saved all your clothes from your childhood, as some people do... Some people do. The royal family say they never throw anything out. I don't find any of the royal family's clothes turning up in charity shops, good, bad or indifferent. They save them. Everything is saved. And they make exhibitions. So they've got clothes going back. They've got, let's face it, they've got all of Queen Victoria's outfits. Nothing was ever thrown away. And you suddenly realise when you see them what a short, fat little... Fat? She was huge! I think she had something like a 54-inch waist, I think. So she was a little rotund person. But they've they've got all of her outfits. They've got everything from when she was a young girl all the way up to the day she died because they save these things. It's like Debbie Reynolds. When we spoke to Debbie Reynolds, who came over, she's got a warehouse full of all these famous people's clothes. She's got, you know, some really, really nice things worth a small fortune. So, you know, in times of hardship... I've left me lemon in the other side as well, I've just realised... Grab it before Joe sits on it. We'll never get it back again. Me, joke with, me, me lemon with me little juice tap. You see the juice tap on it? It's very good. I've decided I'm going to drink uh, hot lemon in future. I used to drink it all the time in Austria. And I decided it was, it's a very, very good drink to drink. And, uh, and it's supposed to be very good for your vocal cords, for your voisée. So I shall, I shall try that. Angela, of course, is suffering at the moment. Because she says, I've got a terrible cough, plus the flu. Oh, gosh, you've, you've got the set, haven't you? She said, I managed to get downstairs without waking my husband. Listening to you, it's making me feel a bit better. The cough is the worst thing. It, it's, mine's, mine's a lot better. It goes in fits and starts, my cough. One day it's good, one day it's not good. But I thought today, if we have hot lemon, it might stop me coughing. Because as, as sure as God made little apples, when we walked out yesterday morning, after the programme finished at 6.30, we go straight into the next studio to, uh, to record... The, uh, the special free, free podcast, and I start coughing within a matter of a minute. It must be a different, uh, different sort of atmosphere. But I think lemon juice and water. I'm not sure about this idea. If it's a, if it's a good idea, I'm just going to squeeze my lemon in here. You walk it round, and, uh, and the little juice tap fills up with, with lemon juice. You've never seen them before. Oh, brilliant things. Honestly, haven't got every self-respecting cook. You just, you just push your fingers round because it, it doesn't have any pips in it. And then you just pour that in there. And then you can keep that in the fridge and you can keep using it again and again. Another handy Steve Allen item, which we mentioned on the programme this morning. Uh, The Daily Express today. I like the fact that uh, Ronnie Corbett has beaten illness to keep his date with the Queen. Nothing on earth was going to keep Ronnie away from uh, the Queen. 
I think he was, you know, he's 80-something now, and I think he absolutely, absolutely loves it. Absolutely loves it. So well done to him. He's got his CBE, and uh, the, the Queen said, you know, very funny little man, very funny little man. And of course, he is a very funny little man. We like him a lot. Uh, we're working longer. I wonder whether or not you think that that's true. Do you look forward to retirement or not? We're also trying to find out... Uh, as well, who you would want to represent this country in the light of the fact that they've apparently asked Victoria Beckham to be an ambassador for this country. And I'm thinking, I think there must be other people who could be better ambassadors for this country than Victoria Beckham. I think she's a bit young. Stephen Fry or David Jason, says Graham. I think that'd be a good idea. That would definitely be a good one. And, uh, and Steve, I've got a lovely bird song that goes off with my alarm. It's love it. I always smile when I wake up. You see, I'm not sure bird song would wake me up. I'm not totally convinced. I quite fancy one of these wave machines. You know where you've got waves crashing on the sand? But I think that just might make you want to go to the toilet. I don't think you'd be thinking about, you know, uh, that's going to wake me up now. It's, it's the cheapest alarm clock. And you don't need to spend a lot of money on an alarm clock. Both of mine came from the pound shop. They're pound alarms. If they break, I throw them away and just buy another one. It's as simple as that. I staggered back yesterday with this huge box from here. My arm was aching by the time I got home. And inside, it was, there was only two little items. To be honest with you, I don't know why it was packed so carefully, but it weighed a ton. It was awful. Uh, Shelley says, uh, the George in Twickenham High Street, Friday. Great band called Presence, around nine o'clock. She says, I have even been known to join them for a song occasionally. And hello to Noreen, Julie and all the lovely Facebookers. Andy says, the heads of tourism are old or past their sell-by date. In the 60s, 70s and 80s, there was a vibrance that drew all ages here. We're dull today. Atmosphere, weather, people, it's not worthwhile. I wouldn't holiday in the UK, but France and Spain, where the people and lifestyle are better. You see, you might be right, but I'm, I'm a big fan of this country. Big fan of this country. You know, I still think we've got tons to offer. I think there's loads of places that we haven't looked at in this country, which we which we should uh, which we should go to. You know, we should we, we should definitely go and visit places, but we don't. We go to Spain because we want we want some nice weather and we want to come back with a suntan. You know, you don't say let's go to the Lake District, come da- come back with a suntan, or let's go to Manchester, come back with a suntan, or let's go to Glasgow. So consequently, we don't go to places like that. But you should do. You should go and take weekends away. I mean, I should have gone to Blackpool this weekend. God help me. But I should have done. It was it was on the cards for going to Blackpool this weekend. And then I, I decided to, to change my mind, <laughs> as you do. There's a lovely uh, snowdrop that's in the paper today. It's a shame it's not the picture in colour. It's, uh, it's very nice. I think it's called Grumpy. It boasts two green eyes and a downturned mouth. And it sells for around £100 a bulb. Au revoir. Saying goodbye to people. A bit like holiday camping. There. People wander in, they wander out, they sort of book the settee for a few hours, then off they go. So this is a snowdrop, £100 a bulb, and there's one here, uh, recently discovered in a garden, sold for £725. Blimey, it's a fortune for a bulb. An absolute fortune for a bulb. So, so what we're looking for this morning is your nominations for ambassadors for this country. Who could actually get out there and and sell this country and make sure... No, not that, we're, not that we're complaining, we're doing very well as regards tourism, but uh, who could we put out there to sort of, you know, come to Britain? We're open Monday to Friday from 9 to 5.30, half-day Wednesday. Do come and see us. We're, we welcome everybody. Everybody. Believe you me, everybody. Quarter past five. With the news headlines, it's Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Rupert Murdoch's expected to speak... Alan. Well, old Rachel Hardiman's voice sounds shot through this morning, doesn't it? She's just, she's just buzzed down. She said, could I have some of Steve's lemon? 
No. <laughs> no, it's only because I've, I've, I literally, I've, look, it's empty. I've, I've sort of, I've squeezed it dry, as I said, but it's very nice. Hot, I mean, uh, I mean, I know how she feels, because I've had exactly the same. But actually, strange enough, I did buy five lemons yesterday. Four for a pound, and I got a free one. And, and I left them all in the boot of the car. I only brought one lemon in. Otherwise, I'd have been the first person to say, listen, have one of my lemons. Because in hot water, it's absolutely delicious. And la 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 Very good. You see, I was almost there. So I know how she's suffering. But I've got some sweets, which I shall uh, pop up and give her later. Morning, Daniel. Morning. Morning. How are you? Well, I don't know. I mean, are you medically qualified to answer any question I might have? Uh, well, maybe. maybe. Oh, God. Talk to DJ, let me know. OK, fine. <laughs> <laughs> sure. no, I'm, only, I'm only teasing. Good. Um, what would you like to know? I don't know. You phoned me. I never phoned you. I know. OK, so look, you were talking about vocal stuff, yeah? Yeah. Um, I was in a studio. I'll be honest with you, nothing commercial, so mm. you don't have to worry about that. And actually, I do some charity stuff, so hopefully that's where it will take me. Um, but you're quite right in terms of the types of drinks that you have and what you should do to, what, remedy uh, slightly sore throat, maybe, or mm. uh, strained uh, vocal cords. I have to say, what worked for me was ginger, honey, but not boiling hot water. And, you know, I think as with life, mm. uh, it is as, as the same thing as it is with your voice. You have to pace things uh, and actually don't gulp the whole drink. Just take sips every, uh, I don't know, every 30 seconds or so. Trouble is, you know, one, once your voice starts going, if you've got this thing that's doing the rounds at the moment, once it starts going, you're on a hiding to nothing. You can try everything. And it doesn't make any difference at all. And, you, you know, I've sucked every lozenge under the country, you know, under the sun they make. I've tried all the drinks. I've tried the cough mixture. I've <laughs> tried the chloroseptic. I've tried it. I and mean, there is nothing I do not have. Yes. And I still ended up with a dreadful cough and a very, very sore throat. And then I couldn't swallow because my glands got swollen. And you tend to, you uh, know, people say, it's all right if you're driving a desk here. You know, if you're yeah. a producer, that's fine. But if you make your yeah. living this side of the microphone, it's a disaster. I understand. It must be very difficult. And you know what? At the end of the day, I'll be quite honest with you. Last night, playing football uh, in my local town, um, I popped my hamstring. I mean, Mm. you could hear it pop. Uh, Mm. And I'll be honest, I am struggling this morning. But I thought, you know what? Last night, I'll have some fibre, some protein, and what else? uh, I have some salt and a few other things to ensure that I have some kind of recovery. But you know what? I'm now going to sit on a blooming plane... um, going to Europe, and you know what? I'm not going to be able to uh, sit properly. So no, I know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And there's never enough room, is there? Is, well, actually, I've got a good seat, so I can't complain. Oh, right. <laughs> are, you, are you going first, or are you going baggage? No, no, God, no. I, personally, I, I love uh, travelling with the normal uh, day-to-day uh, Well, people, I do as well. So. As long as they're not sitting near me, I'm fine. Perhaps. Well. You know, <laughs> I mean, you don't want anybody sitting near you who's going to open a packet of crisps or something like that. No. Or anybody no, with a, a small yeah. child. <laughs> yeah, that would be... You know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, we open the door and we push them out. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> that makes everybody a lot happier about life. <laughs> Nothing worse than a screaming child whose ears oh, haven't you're popped. So cruel. You're well, so cruel. no, I like... I mean, no, I don't, I don't call it actually being cruel, Daniel. I call it being caring and sharing with the rest of the plane. Because, you know, my worst nightmare is getting on and there's somebody there, screaming kid, which then does projectile vomiting. You know, and you're thinking, why did I... Why this plane? Why me? But I tell you, the hot lemon really works. The hot lemon... I mean, I really feel a lot better about the hot lemon. But uh, I just wish I'd brought the rest of them in for poor Rachel. Daniel, thank you for that. Have a safe flight. I wish I was flying today. I could quite quite fancy getting on a flight and going somewhere. 
don't know where, actually. Where would you go if you got on a flight today? Just go to the airport. Just go, say, wh- which is the next flight going out? We go, do you have any baggage? No, no. And I'm on time. I've never flown EasyJet. I'd like to try it as an experience. Uh, one here from D who says, it doesn't work staying awake. I have crippling insomnia and I've tried every, kindly meant cure, going, staying up, going out early to bed, getting up when you wake up. Nothing works. About every five or six weeks, I get about three hours. That's the longest I've slept. And it's not all because I need. Uh, I'm constantly exhausted. I do anything to sleep. I've also got chronic pain and sleep is the only way to escape. So it's not as easy as people think. You see, I mean, I'm lucky at the moment. I'm going through a phase where I'm sleeping like a top. I mean, I really am. But I'm, uh, what I'm doing is I'm sort of going in for me. I do sometimes, and I'll probably do it today. I'll get in. I'll have a little lie down for an hour, you know, just in front of the, uh, in front of the television, getting annoyed throwing things at the television, you know, because there'll be some dreadful programme on, which was most days, actually. Daytime television is just abysmally poor. And delay. anything that's got sort of anybody from any ways, Essex or, you know, these third-rate people who can't string two words together, that's, that's me often done, I'm afraid. Uh, Jordan for Ambassador, says Andreas from Greenford. That's why you live in Greenford. I've been there. It was closed. Uh, Malcolm says, I've got a brawn voice control alarm clock. You shout stop or shut up if you're from Essex. And it stops. Makes you very lazy. You say, oh, I don't know about that. I, I wouldn't want an alarm clock that you shouted at. I really wouldn't. I just tend to find getting out of bed solves the problem, doesn't it? It does solve the... Uh, the, the pr- it makes it a lot easier. But it, it's, it's those two alarm clocks, I think. To represent Great Britain, says Marcia, I suggest Emma Thompson, yeah, Dame Judi Dench or Daniel Craig. I'm not sure about Daniel Craig. Judi Dench should be good. I can see her standing and saying, please come to Britain. I can see her standing on a windswept... Oh, why not the Queen? The Queen could do it. We don't want Prince Andrew. He's, he's turning out... I'm watching him on this, this uh, diamond jubilee thing for the, uh, for the Queen. And uh, he doesn't really contribute a lot, Prince Andrew. Him and his daughter... Although his daughters are actually quite, quite sweet, but they're a, bit, they're a bit empty. And when you get one, you get the other one. And they haven't quite decided what they're going to do. Uh, so Penelope Keith for Ambassador, says Nitesh in Bedfont. Penny Keith... Do, do come to Britain. Do, do please come to Britain. It's a wonderful place. Thank you. Uh, Cathy says, Richard Branson for Ambassador. Yes, I mean, he, he would be good, but he, he does like the publicity. He's actually very good at, at cultivating publicity. He does it very well. So, but it, he'd only be advertising his own aeroplane, wouldn't he, to get you here? I'm not sure whether that would be the best idea. I know it might be the best idea. It might not be. So we're looking for the ambassador. Wouldn't you love to be able to be a tightrope walker? I did some tightrope walking once on Channel Five. They they set up this this tightrope, and and I walk, what what you didn't see, which you did when the camera pulled back, was when I started off. I was walking along, but they were holding my fingers at the end, just out of sight of the camera, so I was able to walk it. But all all you get with with tightropes is. They've got to be very taut because you don't want the swing from side to side. And I've seen people who get on tight ropes and then they walk to the middle with a chair, put the chair down, then they sit on the chair, then they do a handstand. And frankly, my hands go sweaty thinking. So when I see a picture today of a guy called Nick Wallender, Nick Wallender is from a circus family. Luckily, he's a tightrope walker and he's going to be the first tightrope walker to cross Niagara Falls. And uh, why you'd want to do it, I've got no idea. It's 220 feet, and <clears throat> it's not actually across the Niagara Falls, you know, the bit where it crashes down. It's to the side of it. I mean, it looks OK. One, one, one of the cranes is on Canada, and one is on the United States. And they will put this thing... He says, I've dreamt of this since I was six. Because if you're a tightrope walker, you want to recreate things that Blondini did and, and people who go over the falls in a barrel or an inflatable, whatever it happens to be. And he's going to walk over there. I can only think he must be mad as a broom. Why you would want to do this. 
But uh, he's actually going to... Uh, he's actually going to try it out, first of all, at an airport. He's going to wear suede shoes. <laughs> tacky. Actually, talking of tacky, I was watching Bid TV. Have you seen that? I love watching the shopping channels on the television. I love watching the rubbish that they're flogging, which you can't flog anywhere else. And one of them, it was, uh, it was uh, an indoor fountain, which had an LED light... And it, it was just the worst thing I've ever seen. It was so tacky, it was disgusting. And it was only £16, and I thought, if you buy that, you're as mad as anything. And then the other girl was going, and this is lovely, and it was a check shirt, the kind of thing that lumberjacks would wear. And she said, and it's got suede cuffs. It was so vile. And I often want, they must go to these warehouses where they're thinking of throwing everything out. And they go, would you like to sell this on the table? Yeah, how much is it? Well, we do it for 20 pence a garment. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll sell it. The rubbish they sell. It's just hilarious. I, I love watching all these channels. But the jewellery channels are definitely the funniest. The jewellery channels are definitely the ones that get me going in the morning. I love watching them because they are selling the biggest pile of tat you've ever seen in your life. What planet is Petra Eccleston on? Asks the Daily Mail today. The reason they ask is because uh, she doesn't work. She's a bit vacuous. And uh, she's got sort of this new house. And, um, and it's in Hollywood. Uh, I think it's in Hollywood or Los Angeles. It used to be owned by Aaron Spelling and his wife. And it's a big mansion, and she's living there rattling around, I suppose. She says, but I think it's good I have the drive and willpower to get up in the morning. It's a 14-bed Hollywood mansion. You know, I hope all your friends take you for everything, because I, I, I can only assume you're as dumb as you look, I'm afraid, in here. 500 workers remodelled it. Don't look any different at all. If you look at a picture of what it looks like, it doesn't look any different before, apart from it used to have a, a pool as you went in. And it's got parking for, like, 100 cars or something. It's really stupid. She's only... How old is she? I think she's... She's 23. And she says, people never talk about the good in me. People always talk to me because I'm rich and I'm privileged, and I understand that. I know, and it's because the stupid things you say as well, darling. I mean, you know, if it, we don't mind you being rich. Just, just keep it quiet. You know, nobody likes people flaunting their wealth, do they? You know, people coming in, so, you know, sort of saying, oh, little people. It happened with that woman in America, didn't it, who went to prison for avoiding tax. She said only little people pay tax, Leona Helmsley. So we locked her up very quickly, and, uh, and then she died. So that was fairly good news all round. Uh, there's also a bloke here. Oh, there's uh, a lot of people. You know that Nick Ferrari's twittering at the moment? Nick Ferrari is, is twittering. I'm finding it very entertaining. I was watching him in the office yesterday, twittering, because I also twitter. And, it's beca- and also James O'Brien twitters. I think Christo twitters too, but I think just privately to himself. I don't think he does it to anybody else. And uh, and everybody's everybody's getting into it, aren't they? Everybody's getting into uh, to twittering. Uh, Tesco apologising over this job paid in benefit hands out, uh, handouts. This is the job advert seeking permanent staff in exchange for expenses and job seekers allowance. A statement from Tesco has now said the advert is a mistake caused by an IT error by Job Centre Plus and is being rectified. It's an advert for work experience with a guaranteed job interview at the end of it as part of a government work experience scheme. I backtracked on that one fairly quickly because that one was all over the places. Now, do you remember the bloke who found the, um, the, the Rolex watch, Aaron Large? Now he's found another three. Is this bloke a burglar? Is he, it's sort of, he's finding the results of his own labours. He found another three the other day. We, we, first of all, he found the first one when he was jet-washing a drain, and, and he handed it into the police. And then, hours later, another two watches have turned up. That's about 60,000 quid's worth of watches. It must be a robbery. I mean, you don't find Rolex watches lying around all over the place. Let's have a look around the studio. We'll let Sam Pittis read the uh, news headlines. I'll have a quick ferret around on the floor. It's LBC 97.3. It's 530 with Steve Allen. 
Ben says, I'm so waiting for another listener to come up with a natural way to cure insomnia. I barely get two hours a night for the past 13 years. Dreadful, isn't it? There was a piece in, there's a piece in the mail today that says that people who do not get uh, a proper night's sleep uh, are poorly. Disturbed sleeping patterns can lead to illness. They found that the, uh, the clock, the genetic mechanism which regulates our sleep, controls the level of a gene vital to our immune system. So consequently, uh, consequently when the gene was at its most active, it was able to respond best to bacteria and viruses, and the mice responded better to infection and vaccination. So you need your proper sleep. You need to be able to sleep properly to make yourself better. Ron would have the Blairs as ambassadors to sell Britain. The drawback is they might want to keep the money. They do like the money, don't they? He definitely likes the money. Richard and Judy, says Molly, whatever happened to their programme, dropped due to lack of interest, I'm afraid. There were more people working on it than watching it. I think it sunk to the, uh, to the, the depths of... It just fell off the, uh, the scale. They couldn't even measure how small the audience was. I don't know why, actually. Why did people fall out with Rich and Judy? What was the, the reason? I cannot remember. I mean, they seemed to be fairly popular when they were hosting this morning. And they were the king and queen of daytime television. He, admittedly, was very infuriating. And was a little... And always talked over her. And we're all going, shut up, let her speak. Let her speak. For She'd sit there go, and, and he'd then... He'd just walk all over her. Walk all over her completely. And um, and then, then the programme moved, and then they moved something else, and then it, it just lost its way. And I don't think people watched the channel, did they? It disappeared onto some channel where nobody cared anymore. Was it Watch or something? Which, of course, nobody did. And that was the trouble. So they ended up axing it. It was a shame, really, because I'm sure in its day it was very, very good, but it just hadn't, hadn't improved Hadn't gone anywhere. They were getting the guests on there. It's just that Judy was sort of slumping lower and lower into the furniture. And he was sort of trying to be Tigger and bouncing about all over the place. So, um, so that's, that's what happened to their, their programme. It disappeared. But as for ambassadors, I don't know. I think she'd like the parties. I think she'd like going out to parties and sort of, you know, wandering around chatting to people. If you want the best value car nowadays, and who doesn't, buy German. <clears throat> I was always told years and years ago... And there will be many of you listening who would probably never, ever, because of the war, buy German or Japanese cars. My father was one of those. He swore blind he would never buy a Japanese car. But he bought a Mitsubishi Colt. And he said he had to admit that it was the best car he'd ever had. And he'd always bought British. But he bought a Mitsubishi Colt years ago, which I ended up having, and it never went wrong. This thing just never broke down. You just put petrol in it, you put some oil in, you topped up the water in the windscreen water bottle, and it, it was fine. In fact, it was so fine, and all the other Mitsubishi Colts were so fine, that the garage in Southampton that sold them closed down, because nobody took the cars back. And what they rely on is people taking them in for servicing and stuff like that. And they, they have admitted now that, in fact, German cars are top of the list. Which is, which is actually good. And what they've done is they've actually pushed the Japanese to one side. German efficiency, I suppose. They, they've looked at the, uh, the Hyundai and the target price and the three-year cost of it. Because people work out how much a car is going to cost them over a period of time. Whereas I haven't got the faintest idea what a car costs. I know how much they cost to buy. And I know how much it costs to put petrol in. And I know how much, roughly, repairs are going to cost. Roughly. I say roughly because it's always a bit of a surprise. And if you've got a, a top-end car, then you expect to pay top-end prices. And if you've got a little car, like a little small family car, like a Passat uh, or, a, or a Skoda or something like that. It used to be a standing joke, didn't it? Skodas were, you know, cheap cars and all this kind of thing. Now they actually turn out to be cars that people actually want to buy. Because people are looking for value for money. I've actually been in cars which have brought me into work in the morning, that have got more 
uh, refinements in them than I've got in my car. Which seems ridiculous, doesn't it? That now people have got television in there, they've got the sat-nav built into the screen, they've got all the radio stations which come up and everything. I don't have any of that. I've got sat-nav built in and I've got extra sat-navs. But, um, but the, the refinements that you get on cars now, which aren't even included as extras, I think is unbelievable. I mean, absolutely unbelievable. And they could do it for really, really good prices. Really, really good prices. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. I think, says uh, Anthony, it was the 1933 penny, not 32. Whichever it was, you can't find them anywhere. Although somebody will bound to phone up and say, I've got one. I've got one. Mark the bailiff's off out this morning. God, somebody's going to be very unhappy a little bit later on because he comes around to collect cars. This country does not need, says Gloria, an overpaid ambassador. A small, well-presented film featuring the beauty and the history of all that is needed. Naturally, the voiceover would be the lovely John Warrington with his dulcet tones. Yes, he could do that. It could be John's, could be John's gig, I think. You might enjoy uh, that one. Judging by your impression of the Queen, talking about Ronnie Corbett, she's been with Prince Philip for so long, they sound the same, says Phil. You're a cute little thing, you are. Yeah, they all sound the same. All my impressions are the same. I don't do different uh, different impressions. I've decided it's, it's easy. Uh, as it's Friday, says Julie, uh, she's, she's going to come to my virtual saloon. This my, my salon, because I'm going to open the Steve Allen hairdressing salon. So I'm going to go for the Katie Price special. I think Holly, the receptionist, will be busy today. It's all over the place. I've just noticed the other day we've lost the Twickenham Chinese. That's closed. It's going to be something called Lulu's. Well, no idea what it is, but it's obviously some sort of restaurant. And uh, because the one thing that, you know, it's round by the police station. It's not the best place. Not the best place. And, a, and another hairdressing salon. If there's one thing we don't want, it's any more hairdressing salons. Thank you very much indeed. Bob exiled in Manchester. Just say good morning to Julie and the Crumblies. Thank you. And uh, another one here. This on TripAdvisor. Paul says, did you see the documentary on TripAdvisor? No, but at the back of my mind, I knew that there had been one. This was the, the story that you can't believe anything you read on these websites because they're either posted by people who've got a grudge against the actual people or, failing that, uh, it's people who own the places posting their own under different names. So it's very difficult to believe anything. He says, as somebody who worked, as you know, in the hospitality and retail industry for many years, I was appalled about how people could be allowed to ruin a business, often without the company's concern being given the right of reply. Uh, two in the film readily spring to mind. One was the, pardon the phrase, the poisonous little so-and-so, who dragged his obviously long-suffering grandma with him to a and b for the weekend and proceeded to bitch about nearly everything, a hair on the sheets, the wrong brand of tonic and God knows what else. The other being a party who'd written an appalling review on a restaurant who invited them back to answer their critique. The poisonous old bag and her party were shown up to be the nasty piece of work you would have imagined just even reading the review. If anybody from Channel 4 is listening, I'd love for it to be repeated. Listen, everybody listens all the time. Especially, this is the most listened-to programme in London at this time of the morning. I can only stand on a, on a, on a hill and blow my own trumpet. Uh, weather for today. I forgot to give you the weather earlier on. Suddenly realised, actually. Uh, it's going to be mainly dry but cloudy. Sunrise is at 7.12. The high 11 degrees today. Currently 8 Tonight, cloudy, little light rain or drizzle at times, although many places will remain mostly dry. Rather breezy as well. I can tell you for, uh, for tomorrow, cloudy, mild and mostly dry. Rain, heavy and squally for a time, will spread to parts during the afternoon, becoming drier and much colder by the evening. The high, 10 centigrade. Sunday, clear spells and sunny but cold. Monday, overcast but dry. Tuesday, good chance of rain in places but milder. The high, 10 degrees centigrade. 
It's all we need, isn't it? It's not exactly the most... And then I was reading in one of the papers today, I'm sure they can't be right, where they were saying that uh, the ice and snow returneth next week. Oh, no! We don't want the ice and snow back again. They said, you know, it could be it could be bad, I'm afraid. Could be very, very, very bad indeed. Uh, British ambassador's hinge and bracket. It'd be a little bit difficult, Anthony, seeing as one of them's dead. But I suppose we could always... We could have a virtual person, couldn't we? A virtual person would be quite nice. 84850, steve at LBC dot co dot uk uh, or oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three daily star front page this morning they've got uh, fishwife lauren my firebomb terror nothing like over egging the pudding she's opened a small little salon because they're all doing it have you noticed how many people in the cast have all opened salons not one of them will work i promise you now and she says uh, after it was firebombed it wasn't really it wasn't really they've just they've overhyped it and she said to her, I didn't realise there were so many nasty people. There's only one window boarded up. That's not firebombing, I'm telling you. I've seen firebombing before. This isn't it. She's had eggs thrown against the window. She says it's, it's very vicious, this. And I thought, well, that's how you come across on the programme. So why are you surprised? You can't be that dim, surely. And uh, now they're saying that the show is cursed. Uh, Lawrence X marks R- Mark Wright was devastated after his bar in Essex. It wasn't his bar in Essex at all. It was just one where he stood on the door and went, Oh, darling, you want to come in? Hello, do you want to come in, darling? You all right? You want to come in? It wasn't his bar at all. Let's not be silly about it. And, uh, and then Sugar Hut, owned by Mick and Kirk Norcross. Not owned by Kirk at all, it's owned by Mick. You know that uh, Kirk is just the son. He doesn't own anything at all, I'm afraid. And then uh, Billy and Sammy for ears were beaten up in a nightclub ca- uh, uh, bash. Apparently she was attacked by a group of girls who stole her purse and phone. They probably didn't have the faintest idea who they were, to be honest with you. And uh, so here she is. It's another... Actually, if this is a brand new place, it looks very tacky. Very tacky. But then most of the things down in Essex look a little bit tacky. Victoria Beckham has been named, as you know, as an ambassador for this country. I don't quite know how it's going to work. I'm really not too sure, but I'm sure that somewhere along the line, people will be saying, you know, is she the best choice I mean, whether it's going to be a TV advert or some sort of campaign, I don't know. And uh, wacky twins Jedward, for that read, a little bit simple, have landed their own blooper show on Channel 5. It's going to be Jedward's Weird Wild World. They're not normal, are they? There's something about Jedward that's slightly peculiar. Two brothers who have baths together. I don't think that's quite normal, I'm afraid, even in anybody's wild and wacky world. But the good news is that uh, here she is, Gina Mullins. Uh, is your uh, page three girl for today. She's an Essex babe. She's mad keen on interior design. And she's just given her flat a complete makeover. Isn't that marvellous, everybody? Gina's in the paper today. Gina's on the show. Woo, woo, woo. Bring Gina down. Oh, just a, so in other words, she's been out and bought a paint pot. And she's uh, been out there. We spoke yesterday about your collections, and I did talk about Kenny Everett's album, which is, I think, the world's worst records. One of the tunes on there was Mrs Miller, murdering the toys song, Lover's Concerto. This was a woman who, I had no idea what she looked like, but she thought she could sing. And she couldn't. It's worth checking it out. Whether it's on iTunes, I do not know. But you'll find a copy, and she How gentle is the rain? And she she had one of these strange contralto-type voices, but she couldn't sing for a for, for Toffee, I'm afraid. Paul's also got a copy of Electric Light Orchestra's double LP, Out of the Blue, in obviously blue vinyl. He's already been offered £500 for it, but he's not parting. He's not parting at all. I'll give you the rundown in a moment of what Nick Ferrari has got uh, happening this morning, just after the news at 7 on LBC 97.3. <laughs> With the news headlines for you this morning, Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Rupert Murdoch's expected to... St- 
Morning, 12 minutes to six. It's Friday morning. You've made it to Friday. Woo, give yourself a special award. What car are you running at the moment? Are you running a German car or a Japanese car? The Germans have now overtaken the Japanese. They're the most reliable cars you can buy. They don't mention British cars, I'm afraid, anymore. They go, they're maybe not as reliable. You get so much in cars nowadays, but do you know what your car costs to run? I mean, I have no idea. I just put petrol in and, you know, and, and that's about it. We don't really do anything else, I'm afraid. <laughs> but some people lovingly look after their car. I do get it washed, you know, which we do now, but we don't bother doing it ourselves. More people go out and they get other people to wash the car. Uh, my Range Rover says, Neil, is a great car, but anybody would think the parts are gold-plated for the prices they charge. Your virtual salon, he said, put me down for a head polish, as my barnet is rapidly disappearing. It is true, actually. It's the kind of thing we can't help you with, even in the Steve Allen virtual hairdressing salon. But it, it's the cost of running a car nowadays. People say, do you know, over a number of years, it's going to cost you X thousand pounds by the time you've done this. They always say when a car starts costing you money, that's the time you have to get rid of it. Because it, you're on a downward spiral, I'm afraid. Uh, Diana in Richmond, it says, I've just realised it's the sixth anniversary since having my stroke today. Uh, at 7.30, just as Coronation Street was starting. But I have coped very well. So you have. Nick Ferrari this morning, looking at the uh, papers just after news at seven. Camilla Tomine, the Royal Editor of the Sunday Express. I wonder if she's been watching this, this diamond programme on the Queen. It's very revealing. It was a year. For a year they filmed when they went out there, which was very good. Uh, and as Murdoch flies in, could this be the end of the sun? It's not looking very promising, is it? Is it ten people have now been arrested at the sun over allegations of payments to various people? You see, I'm, I'm a bit old school. Because LBC used to make payments to people for tip-offs years ago. It was built into the... We used to have a list in the newsroom. A list in the newsroom of all the things. If somebody phoned up with, with a tip-off for a story, it was worth, I think... I could be wrong. It might have been £5 something. So, in other words, somebody would phone up and say, listen, there's a big fire in Fleetwood or wherever it was, and that person would get a tip-off fee. And that was quite normal in Fleet Street. Nick Ferrari will probably tell you the same thing, that if you had contacts, they got paid. People on retainers. Most of the showbiz columns survived like that, I would have thought. Somebody would phone up and say, oh, I've just seen so-and-so with so-and-so. I myself sold a story on a celebrity years and years ago to one of the papers, and I got £1,500. Because it, was, it made a front page. I probably could have got more, but she said it pays 1500 because it was a story that paid off. And, and I thought it was quite normal. It was certainly acceptable behaviour. You paid people. It's been going on for donkey's years. Donkey's years where you pay somebody for, for doing you a favour. So, you know, if, if, if you've got your own column, somebody would come to you and say, listen, I know something about Diana and I've got some pictures here. And you would buy the pictures. You would buy the story from the person. And then pass it off as yourself most of the time. You didn't need to actually uh, need to tell anybody that it wasn't your story. So it'd be interesting to find out whether or not the sun survives. Of course it will survive. I can't see the sun not surviving. Depends whether the sun on Sunday is going to work out now, doesn't it? They're also talking today uh, about chain shops closing every day. Greater London is worse hit. 14 chain shops. What are chain shops? Are those shops... Oh, like WH Smith's or Starbucks or something? Oh, right. Good Lord. Uh, Declan Harvey has been sent to Croydon which is one of the areas very badly affected. I think it's the area, though, isn't it, that affects whether or not people use these uh, places. If it's, a, if it's a run-down area. I mean, to be honest with you, now, now that Twickenham's got a pound shop, uh, the, the area has actually changed. It's not people who live there, it's people coming in on buses. People come in on buses to go shop at Poundland. I've got no idea why. Perhaps they think, let's go somewhere different. But they wouldn't make the journey on to Kingston. It's a bit too far. And they go and do all their shopping in Iceland. So they stagger back with that. I've seen people stand by the bus stop with, like, 20 bags full of shopping. From Iceland. 
Very strange. Uh, grief is not an illness. I never thought it was an illness. But they're going to be talking about that today. There's a new report stating grief is not an illness, but should it be? And I think they're actually going to be saying that, yes, it should be, because people get very affected by grief. Uh, you know, when, when somebody dies, be it a loved one or a, or a relative or close friend or something like that. Mind you, just somebody leaving somewhere can be, can sort of make you feel... Some people get very, very depressed. Well, look at that bloke in the paper. One is 48 stone. He said he, st- he ate, ate himself into oblivion uh, after his mother died. So I suppose it affects people in, in different ways. Uh, Roy Glean- Greenslade will be talking about Murdoch flying in and about it, it could be the end of the sun. He was the editor of The Mirror, so of course he'll be praying it is the end of the sun, but I think it's highly unlikely, seeing as it is, as far as I know, the biggest selling paper that we have. We don't have a paper that sells as many as the sun. It's still popular. People, people like... People like reading the sun. It's as simple as that. Because people like an easy paper. I don't think as many... I think it's, it's probably... It's split roughly, isn't it, between the mirror and uh, the sun. On the front page of the mirror, they've got uh, a fat cat Tory donor who's been fined 49 million quid... Fined 49 million quid for illegal US share trading. Jennifer Ellison's broken down in tears because it's so awful because um, she's had a nasty skating accident and now she's suffering a confidence crisis... It's only a game show, dear. It's only a game show. Don't worry about it. I mean, I know that the audience figures for Dancing on Ice are dropping off faster than proverbial lemmings off a cliff, but uh, don't worry about it. Nobody cares whether you're kicked off or not, OK? Just so I'd set your mind at rest on that one, OK? Jennifer's still promoting her fitness DVD. Six inches of snow this weekend. Northern England, northwest Scotland. There's a weather warning on Northern Ireland. Could have blizzards tomorrow. I warn you now. Every going, oh, not Iria again, please. Up to six inches of snow. And uh, Chris Hune and his ex-wife were ordered in the dock yesterday. Pages and pages of that in the papers today. Pages and pages of somebody who they said did one thing and he said did something else. Uh, here's the bus driver jailed over a cycle attack. Gavin Hill used his coach as a weapon to intimidate a cyclist. I can well understand it. I can understand that. Uh, Steve, John the Bailiff's out. Been listening to your show since 1989. It's not possible. I didn't even join the station until much later. Kev says, I'm joining Julie and Steve Salon. I'll have the same as you, a number one, on what there is left and some Mr Sheen. Thank you very much indeed. Um, our ambassador, Steve, is a very skinny girl who admits to never having read a book. Will Shakespeare must be spinning in his crypt. There must be somebody else. Yes, there must be. I mean, she's never read a book. She's mentioned she flicks through magazines. I'm not sure if she can read. I'm assuming she must be able to read something, but she's, she's never read a book. Victoria Beckham went on record as saying she's never read a book. She's looked at magazines before, but she's never read a book. And she doesn't look like the type to sit down, does she, and read a book? You just, she doesn't look as though she's got the attention span. I shouldn't imagine Davy Boy's read a book either. I see, they, they probably looked at pictures of themselves. They've gone, that's a nice picture. That's a nice picture. That's a nice picture. You can see them doing a, I don't know... <laughs> One of those comedy programmes on the television, which is quite funny, actually. Uh, more pictures of poor Amy Childs, and she is such a child, isn't she? Wearing the same dress as Trisha Penrose. Trisha looks so much better in it. Amy just looks just peculiar, I'm afraid. Lots of troweled on makeup, and still no talent. Not a lot you can do about it. And McFly. How many more people from McFly are going to do these uh, reality shows on the television? There's quite a, quite a few of them, aren't there? Because now it's the way forward. And, in fact, Natalie Cassidy said the other day, my heart dropped, anything that Natalie Cassidy does, and she says, I need to do another reality show until they invite me back to EastEnders. I don't think they're going to invite you back. <laughs> I don't think so, really. I don't think it's very possible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold your breath on that one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really. Uh, talk about disturbed sleep. 
Uh, says Paul, I learned my mother's ill in hospital. I'm going to see her later. Well, you didn't know your mother was ill in hospital. You're not, you're not keeping contact with people. Good Lord. And Phil says, can you put me in for a short back and sides? If your young staff have heard of it. They don't hear of short back and sides now. Most of the uh, hairdressers now, they used to be Turkish, now they're Polish. And, and you just go, number three on the top, two on the sides, one on the back. Round back, square back, square back. And that's all they need to know. And they just, let's face it, hair, haircut is a haircut for blokes. Unless you've got long hair, in which case, you know, you need to be a little bit, a little bit careful with it. But apart from that, you don't need to worry about hair. I don't worry about it too much. I just go in there for a, for just a very quick haircut. The shorter it is, the easier. If you've got long hair, then you can have it. I used to get your hair cut years ago so that it grew long. Do you know, you know when I say it, it's, it's, it was sort of cut in such a way that when it grew, it didn't look straggly or something like that. Martin, who runs the local Starbucks in Twickenham, he's, I think he's Polish. Uh, or he might have something, certainly from, from Bulgaria or something like that. He has long hair. And I said, have you always had long hair? He said, no, not, not always long hair. But uh, now he's got long hair and it took him seven months to grow it. And you've got to keep cutting hair if you want it to grow. So it's, but I keep cutting my hair every two weeks. It's still not growing. Well, it's growing, but it's not kind of growing in the way I want it to grow, which is, uh, which is a little bit of a shame, I'm afraid. Here's the picture I mentioned earlier on of Michelle Williams wearing a very glamorous dress. I'm not sure it suits her. It looks like it's made for a slightly older person. You know what I'm saying? It's a very, very expensive dress, I would think. But uh, there she is in the papers, because last week I didn't have the faintest idea who she was. I felt a bit guilty about that, uh, that fact. Uh, the landlord may shut down this salon, opened by Lauren, the fishwife, Goodger, and because uh, apparently Lauren and pals Chloe Sims, very scary, and uh, Frankie Essex, even more scary. Oh, there's a picture, actually, of the paper today. Strange enough, apart from the back, we've got lovely Lisa Snowden in her bra and pants, which is all very nice indeed. Have you seen that one there? Not there. Keep everybody happy this morning. There you go. Lisa Snowden. It's funny to think she's only working just a floor above us. And here she is in her bra and pants. Uh, you know, it's, it, she could be a million miles away, really. Perhaps we should get our newsreaders in, uh, in their pants. You know, that'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? See, Sam Pitt is a going great bundle on that one. And there's also a picture in one of the papers today, and I'm, I'm very, quite sad she's done it. In fact, I'm very sad she's done it. Les Dawson's daughter has uh, started modelling, and it looks like she's going to glow, go down the, uh, the slightly glamorous route. Which, which upsets me a little bit. She said, I hope that people, you know, you know, who, who loved my... Uh, all right, OK. Uh, it's like the people who sort of love my dad will love me as well. I don't think they'll love you in the same way, dear. It's very sweet that you're modelling like this, uh, but it's, it's not really what Les would have approved of, I don't think. I don't think Les... Do- you know, people who like Les Dawson... You know, just, you know, his, his little girl certainly grown up and certainly fills that little brassiere uh, in the papers this morning. But uh, I, I don't think it's the kind of thing that's going to endear Les Dawson's fans to you. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk or 08456060973. Trying to find out who you would uh, recommend as an ambassador, as Victoria Beckham is made an ambassador to promote the UK overseas. What she's going to promote, I've got no idea. She only knows Essex. Has she been anywhere else? Oh, she's been to... Wait a minute, she's been to Central London because she's been to Gordon Ramsay's place. But uh, I'm not really sure whether or not... She's, she's promoting us in a dress sense. You know, she has been, been to Wembley, hasn't she? And, uh, and she's got some dark glasses, so I suppose that's, that's very good indeed. And I love the line from Chris, who says, I understand the government want to send uh, Abu Qatada to Jordan. She's welcome to him. Anyway, we'll take a short break for this. It's the best you're going to get, I'm afraid. I'm at the cheaper end of the market, OK? Uh, we'll have the news at six o'clock with Sam Pittis. I'm back in a few minutes' time here at LBC 97.3.
<laughs> morning, five past six. It's Friday morning. It's LBC's Early Breakfast with Steve Allen. So we're going to have Victoria Beckham as, a, as an ambassador to promote UK overseas. But I'm not sure if they've booked her in to, uh, to do promotion overseas for fashion. I don't I mean, she can't be promoting the country. She doesn't know anything about it. Unless she, she's, she's been uh, having educational lessons. But it is... Uh, Yes, I mean, fashion is, is the thing. Her ready-to-wear collection is handmade in the UK and stocked at over 300 retail stores. I've never seen anybody wearing it. Anybody round here wearing Vic Beckham stuff? Anybody? They wear it on the red carpet. OK, right. It's sold in 300 retail stores. So there you go. And uh, apparently there's no time to celebrate the best that Britain has to offer. Well, she didn't design it here. She designed it in America, didn't she? I mean, they don't, they don't come back here often enough, I'm afraid. But um, they also say... Uh, from royal wedding dress designer Sarah Burton to Victoria Beckham, British designers are among the best in the world. I bet the other British designers are going, excuse me, Victoria Beckham? Hello? Hello? A Spice Girl? I'll tell you what you want, what you really, really want. I'm sorry, a Spice Girl to now, you know, fashionista. But uh, Tamara Mellon was made Global Trade Envoy in 2010, 2010, co-founder of the Jimmy Choo Shoe Company. They've just opened one in America, because remember I told you, the Housewives of Orange County, when they were going, oh, it's a Jimmy Choo Shoe Shop, because women love shoes. Women love shoes. Far more than men. Men don't, men don't bother with shoes at all. You know, it's a pair of brown shoes, it's a pair of black shoes, it's a pair of trainers. It's a pair of sandals, it's a pair of plimsolls, it's a pair of sort of easy care shoes. No, women love shoes. Women could sit there, I like shoes, but I'm not like women. I mean, I, you know, women sit there and go, and I've, I did, there's a shoe shop in the Bentall Centre in Kingston, and it's got all the uh, the glitzy shoes, you know, with all the glitter on them on the heel. I mean, I've got some glitter shoes, it has to be said, but I, I don't wear them out. I just wear them for some of the shows that we've done before, because I think people come, they want to see a bit of bling and a bit of glitter, so we sort of go slightly over the top on one of them. And I have got silver glitter shoes and, uh, and other shoes as well. But on, in this women's shop, they've got all sorts of some really nice ones. It's the heels that look dangerous. It's the poor, poor women who've got to walk in these heels. It's dreadful. Uh, I found Mrs Mills, no, Mrs Miller, not Mrs Mills, John. We know who Mrs Mills is. Mrs Miller was the one who sang, How gentle is the rain. And uh, one here just wanted to say, Great show. Without you in the mornings, my night shift would be longer. No, it wouldn't. It would just seem longer, I think. That's what it is. And uh, another one here. German cars. We both have VW polo, says Mark. Tough little cookies. We just keep on going. It's our third polo. I have a spreadsheet showing all the running costs. God, you are an anorak, aren't you? You have a spreadsheet showing the running cost. Blimey. Even the producer's a bit shocked at something like that. You're not normal, are you? You've got a spreadsheet. I've not, I don't even know anybody who's got a spreadsheet. Least of all one for the car. God, dear. Uh, Julian Feltham says, I wake up to your velvet tones. I suppose I'm a bit like an alarm clock, aren't I? They go, morning. They go, he's like, you could actually, perhaps we should have that put on an alarm clock. Morning. That'd go quite well. I could sh- start start the show with it. Beep, 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 beep. We've just heard you talking about Jennifer Ellison. And uh, Sarah says, wonder if you knew an interest that the celebrities face a twist this week. They have to perform approximately 23 skating techniques solo. Apparently this twist was announced on the results show last week. I wonder how that'll go. Well, they're doing it. I love the comment. I can't remember who made it. One of the TV critics. He said that when you see them on the television, they look as though they're going very fast. They're not. It's speeded up. And he said, when you actually see them doing it, he said, they're going so slowly, any slower, they'd be a photograph. Which I thought was such a great line. I wish I'd, wish I'd thought of it. Such a very good line. Because they go really slowly. But also, you know, oh, she's crying, she's lost her confidence. Well, go away then. Get out. 
Crikey. Gloria says, do you think your virtual salon could help my husband, Steve? He has two hairs on his head and would dearly love a parting. I know. Once it starts going, you've you've kind of, you're on a downward spiral, I'm afraid. It's not going to come back again. Uh, Our ambassador, says Deborah, Celia Imry. You couldn't get a better or more appropriate choice. If you need someone slightly older, June Whitfield. She'd make a good ambassador, wouldn't she? Very good ambassador for us. I quite like that. Celia Imry. Welcome to Britain. Please come. I think they should have the Queen there. Or the Queen look-alike, or something like that. <laughs> uh, Paul says, very strange people waiting at bus stops with 20 bags of shopping from Iceland. Do they not know about their free delivery service? Or, or is that in Halston only? John Cleese, the British ambassador. I don't know. I'm not sure about John Cleese, the British ambassador. I like him. Richard in Wapping runs an S-type Jaguar. And after adding up petrol, insurance, tax, servicing, tyres, the odd repair, depreciation, loss of interest on capital, our calculator costs about a pound a mile to run, which is a sobering thought. I'm definitely not thinking about mine, then. If, see, I, I never think about servicing, tyres, insurance, tax. I do, have, I do pay them, quite obviously, but I don't, uh, I don't build them in. I mean, having heard from somebody this morning who's got a spreadsheet, we all sort of recoiled in horror at that. A spreadsheet? It's almost like saying a handbag. Ridiculous. Steve, paying for info, uh, in your example, is fine. Paying the police is not. Why not? I don't see any difference between paying a policeman or paying, you know, a traffic warden or somebody like that or paying sort of somebody else who's going to come up with some information. What's the difference? I don't see... I don't have any problem with that at all. It's been going on for so many years in Fleet Street. You know, to have somebody who was in on the know at New Scotland Yard was, was considered quite quite normal. I never thought that it was it was not normal, I'm afraid. Unless, of course, you all think differently. In which case, so far, only one person. Uh, the Ray Winston could be London ambassador. And, uh, and the Sun merely bought what was on offer, says Patsy. The police have behaved in a corrupt and greedy manner. The wrong party's being charged. But you say, I don't have a problem with this. I mean, just because somebody's a police officer, if they're selling information, or they're giving information to somebody, and then that person goes, I'm very grateful. It's like, you know, have yourself a drink. Buy yourself a drink. It's only the same as that, isn't it? You know, you're not exactly... I don't, I don't see it as this huge corruption, which everybody else does. I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really too sure about that one. Not too sure. Lovely picture of... Uh, good Lord, one in eight women work past 70. Is that you? 08456060973. Thousands of women are hit now by this retirement revolution. One in eight continue working way past the age of 70. Is that because they want to or because they need to? Do you need to work past the age of 70 or do you want to work? I thought most people would want to work because they would like the company and, uh, and it keeps you young. You don't want to sit there staring out the window, do you? At seven, well, yeah, but 70 is... I don't know, 70 is the new 60. I don't see 70 as being old anymore. Because let's face it, if, if sort of 60 is around the corner for many of you, you know, 10 years beyond that is 70. And I suppose you're as young as you feel, aren't you? Or as you're able to feel nowadays, unless HR get involved. <laughs> I see that Amanda Knox has sold her memoirs to Harper Collins. You remember the Amanda Knox story? Two and a half million pounds. Two and a half million pounds. Twenty publishers had expressed interest. Miss Kircher's family from Coulston, who had called on her not to make money from the death of the 21-year-old Leeds University student, um, were last night waiting for um, a reply from the, uh, from, from the family and haven't got anything at all. 
We've got nothing at all. They don't, they don't want somebody to make money out of it. Although Harper Collins says, we will work with Knox on the book. She'll write a very thoughtful, reflective and serious book about what happened. To be honest with you, when a publisher spends something like two and a half million pounds, I wouldn't want to go out and buy it. I wouldn't be remotely interested in what happened here. I can't think of anything less interesting. Two and a half million pounds they've paid. They've got to shift some books to get that money back. Presumably because it's a story of what they call worldwide interest. They might get their money back, but I have a sneaking feeling that they're going to uh, they're going to get their fingers burnt. But they've obviously got money in publishing nowadays, haven't they? They've got stuff like that. Two and a half million pounds that they can afford to pay out. And you think, but who would be buying it? I don't know who would be buying it. Certainly wouldn't be me. I wonder if it'd be you. 0845 973 LBC 97 Steve Allen. Certainly is. 18 minutes past six. Remember I told you about the woman who'd, who'd written all those dreadful uh, reviews of this restaurant? Uh, and it appears uh, on TripAdvisor. And it turns out she was disgruntled. Anyway, she had to print an apology in the Times yesterday. Her name's Helen Griffiths. You know, far from being the piece of sort of pond life who would write this filth, this is a marketing manager from Salford. And she admitted misrepresenting the quality of the food and the service of the restaurant, which, from other reviews and nominations, does indicate an exemplary track record. She added, I made these... This is her her backtracking. Nasty piece of work. I made these comments based on absolutely no knowledge of the business or any of the company's staff, as I've never actually visited or eaten at the restaurant. It's believed that the apology, which would have cost just under £1,000, was a condition of Ms Griffiths' police caution for harassment. What a nasty piece of work! Helen Griffiths, marketing manager from Salford. And she wrote this because she felt a bit disgruntled about, I think she was the ex-wife or somebody, whatever it was. But she just wrote this stuff about the restaurant saying how disgusting it was. And their business tailed off. They noticeably, they had a spreadsheet as well. And they looked and the business went, and they couldn't understand why until they read the reviews. And what she did, she posted under lots of different names. But of course, dead easy to find somebody who posts under lots of different names. Very, very easy. And now the police, very keen to prosecute. Very pleased. So she's been named and shamed. And uh, it will affect future employment, because somebody will just check her out on the internet and go, are you that person who wrote... No, we don't want you. We definitely don't want you. It's, uh, it's no good trying to get out of these things, because if you write anything online, it then becomes... So easy to find people. I've never understood why, why people would be that stupid unless they really are that dim when you can just you can click on something, you can find the person immediately. There's only about five servers in the country. Looking at the papers this morning with Nick Ferrari after seven, Camilla Tomine, the royal editor of the Sunday Express. I said before, I wonder really if she's uh, if she's been watching this programme on the Queens. It's very, very telling. Very interesting to see the way it all works behind the scenes. I knew roughly most of it, but it's interesting to just uh, see it. Uh, as Rupert Murdoch flies into the UK. Could this mark the end of the sun? The January retail figures are out, and Nick will be sending a reporter to see how bad the damage is on our high street. And a widow will be talking to Nick about coping with grief. All of that in the full roundup of the uh, the news and the newspapers with Nick Ferrari from uh, 7 o'clock this morning. Grief's an interesting one, how, how, how people react to grief. Some people, it doesn't hit them for ages. doesn't hit them for ages and ages. Other people, it's straight away. In fact, you remember there was that... Uh, that famous dress designer who was so overcome by grief that he actually took his own life. But again, there was a little bit of history of, uh, of drug abuse there, I'm afraid. Uh, one here from, uh, from Graham. He says, I wrote you many months ago about the whereabouts of Val Dunican, and I said I'd, I'd been with him. 
at a couple of water rat stews. In fact, he was at the Lady Ratlings the last time. And he said, now some information about Dorothy Squires. Back in the mid-70s, I sold her a riverside house on the Thames at Bray in Berkshire. She was coming towards the end of her popularity, and after one of her many court cases which failed, she was struggling with finances. I remember her arriving with two or three hanger-oners in a large American car, and after the viewing, we were at the riverside looking upstream, at which point she said, does it ever flood here, Mr Garner? I said it hadn't flooded there for many years as there had been much work done at the weir upstream. But after three weeks of almost solid rain, after she moved in, it did flood. And I have a faded copy of an article from the Express where she's paddling up Fishery Road in a canoe with the road under a foot or two of water. The Daily Express said she was going to a function held by the water rats. (laughs) Love the daffodil story. We should all try it. That was, incidentally, from yesterday's programme. If you want to find out what the daffodil story was... It's well worth checking out. Uh, Graham is uh, an estate agent to the wealthy and famous in South Buckinghamshire. Or as we've heard to call it, South Buckinghamshire. It's nice, actually. I like South Buckinghamshire. I don't know where it is, but it sounds wonderful. If it incorporates Bray, Bray's very popular with a lot of celebrities. A lot of famous people live down at Bray. They like to live on the river. I think Paul Daniels lived down there, and I think Vince Hill is around there as well, and I think Parkey and his wife Mary, they're all down. Perhaps I should move in there. It's a place where all the celebs are living nowadays. I mean, we haven't got that many celebs in Twickenham. We've got Jane Horrocks, and I think we've got Rufus Hound. Bit of a letdown, I know, but that's the best we can manage. And we did have the weatherman, Michael Fish. We did have Sebastian Coe. And we've got me. Well, it can't work out really very well, does it, that one, I'm afraid. Uh, Marion, happy birthday for Saturday. Big fan of yours, says uh, Noreen. We are meeting up soon. And uh, Noreen's another one who's been watching The Diamond Queen. Such a good programme, though. I I like the idea when they go behind the scenes. And and the Queen's very, very good at actually forgetting that the cameras are are present. But I think on the the last one, I think we're going to see her where she thinks that the microphones are off, which is good. Uh, Sophie says, on half-term holiday for my job in a Chigwell school, but still getting up to listen to you. Back to school next week. I know it's half-term. It's bliss. It's so exciting. The little kiddiewinks are not out there annoying the heck out of everybody. They're not clogging up the buses. They're not loud and noisy. The streets are deserted. Although we could do with some people back out there again to start spending some money. Charles says, how about John Prescott to represent Britain? That'll make the world want to come to Britain. I'm joking, of course. Yes, I would be joking as well if I I said that uh, we wouldn't want Prescott anywhere near anything like that. I think that let's leave it with sort of Vic Beckham. If she's actually doing that thing and it's something to do with fashion, that's fine. Have you been watching Coach Trip with the awfully posh boys, says Joy? I haven't. I think I caught a bit of Coach Trip the other day, but there's always some ghastly people on there which kind of turn me off. This is the Channel 4 programme with Brendan. We've seen the celebrity version where they, they couldn't find any celebrities, so they put on Jordan's makeup artist and his boyfriend and a few other numpties. You know, there was only a couple of genuine people. The rest of them were just people who trail around on the coat sleeves of somebody else. Although I am delighted that Jordan has not featured within the pages of the papers for uh, for quite some time. In fact, that's kind of made my day, actually, really. Although I feel a little bit uh, cheated and a bit disappointed. We will be doing the free podcast a bit later on. So we shall look forward to having you download that later. And then I'm trying to think who's going to be our guest on In Conversation this week on Sunday night. You'll have to wait and find out. I cannot remember who it is. This week. What have we got to... I'll have to have a quick check on the thing. We did so many, because last week, if you haven't downloaded it already, download Daniel Radcliffe and uh, Jackie Mason. Well worth downloading. And this week on In Conversation... Who did we do? We only recorded some links the other day, and I now can't remember. Oh, I think it's a comedian. I think it's definitely a comedian, and I think it's an author. I It is like a guess who, isn't it? It's like 20 questions, Steve. Try and rack your brains. I think it's... Is it Joanne Trollope? 
I think Joanne Trollope, the authoress, is, uh, is in. She's got a fabulous book out, and it was such a good interview. We got on so well together, really, really. You know when you get on well with somebody, and you get on well with somebody? I got on well with, with Joanne Trollope. We had a lot in common because of the... It's, it's, uh, it's about the service wives. And Chris Addison, the comedian, who's popped up on so many television adverts. I was going through the television the other day, there's Chris Addison. And I, I was looking at him thinking, I've seen you before. And I suddenly thought, I know where I've seen you. I talked to you the other week. We've got Linda Bellingham coming up. Can't wait to quiz her on Loose Women. And uh, and I think we've got a singer and... Who is the singer? I'm trying to think who the singer is. Coming up, I think, on Tuesday. I think it's Katie Mellew is coming in on, on Tuesday. And it's Linda Bellingham coming in on Monday. So she must be touring. She must be touring. I'm assuming she must be touring. Perhaps she's doing Calendar Girls or something like that. Let's have a quick whiz through the front page of the papers. Lots of pictures of a, a very beaming... Uh, Ronnie, you know, Ronnie got his uh, his date with the Queen the other day. Yes, well done to him. We absolutely love him, and there's some really good pictures. He wasn't very well, but he decided that he'd make himself better and uh, go and see the Queen. So here are the uh, the lovely pictures of now. We can now say that stand up, Ronnie Corbett. Oh, sorry, you are standing up, Ronnie Corbett. I do beg your pardon, but he does have a CBE. And even when he comes up to the Queen's shoulders. But a very big day for him, so well done. Uh, pensions poverty means we work longer nowadays. And a picture of Vic and Dave and, uh, and Harper Seven. Still sounds like a, a strange film made by Kevin Costner. I don't know why. It just does, I'm afraid. And, uh, and that's in the paper today. They're obviously coming out of somewhere. Oh, it's obviously a, a restaurant kind of thing, because she's wearing dark glasses. I don't know why they don't stay in and eat, eat at home more often. Perhaps they just like going out to be photographed. Perhaps it's this insatiable appetite that they both have for publicity. Uh, the Sun. Uh, Abu's been sleeping in my bed. The angry landlord who's discovered that Katada is his tenant. He thought he was renting to a single woman with four children. Yeah, right. Uh, the Independent. The currency is stampede at the French banks. But uh, exactly why? Nobody's too sure. Uh, John Swannell, wife I've adored photographing the Queen. Something about the Queen. She'd make a very good in-conversation. What if she'd do something like that? Probably not, actually. I think, let's give her a buzz. Let's phone up Bucky Palace and say, listen, Steve Allen does this, uh, this programme. And we've had lots of people like Daniel Radcliffe and Joanna Troll. You know, would, would the Queen like to do it? Or, or Prince Philippe? He'd be, he'd be quite good, I think. That'd be very good. Racing Post this morning. I don't know why I get the Racing Post. Why do I get the Racing Post? Every day I get the Racing Post. And Cameron has entered the Highland Games. This isn't the Highland Games. This is uh, David Cameron visiting a porridge factory in Fife yesterday before he had his meeting with Alex Salmond, the first minister. Four million dollars for Amanda Knox. A full and unflinching account of the events that led to her arrest. Do you care? Answer, probably not. That's it. So, uh, do join us on Sunday evening. Actually, I think it's going to be Daniel Radcliffe repeated at six o'clock, together with Jackie Mason, this coming Sunday morning on LBC. OK, between six and seven, and then between nine and ten, it's Joanne Trollope and, uh, and Chris Addison as well, the comedian. So have yourself a lovely weekend. Join me again on Monday. Don't forget to download the podcast and do all the exciting things that I know you do every day. Next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. The UK's